It's just crunchy. You just have to put salt on it, and it's just crunchy. It's is, like is it still dried like out. The eyes in there and everything. Uh, I didn't look that close. Or grasshopper. I eat grasshopper. They're larger than crickets. Okay, same shit. Where, where are you getting grasshopper in New in, York City? Uh, at Toloache. It's a Mexican restaurant. They had uh, grasshopper tacos. I'll never forget it. A Mexican restaurant and I called grasshopper them. tacos? It's, it's pretty traditional. What's cooking, everybody? If you are on YouTube right now, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and thank you as always for checking out the channel. To everyone who is listening on Apple or Spotify, thank you for checking out the show there. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button on Apple, hit that follow button on Spotify, and I look forward to seeing you guys again for future episodes. Now, I am joined in the bunker today by Skylar Bouchard Oppenheim. Skylar is the founder, CEO, and food blogging extraordinaire of the At Dining with Skylar page on Instagram, which has been around for a long time because Skylar was one of the OGs of the platform. She was on there building a community and using the page as her business before pretty much almost anyone was. And so she is very aware of internet culture and how to monetize online. She is very, very deep in the food industry at this point and has done work for Amazon and Food Network extensively, I believe for years, and a lot of other brands too. And she's killing it. So I actually graduated high school with Skylar back in the day. Hadn't talked to her since then, but I have watched her build this page over the years. It's amazing what she's done. So I had a chance to reconnect with her over the summer, and I asked her if she would come on. And so she did. So it was great to catch up after all these years. It was awesome to hear about what she's doing. And there was a lot of good talk around food and food culture around the world. This girl knows everything about that stuff. Also, a lot of good talk on like internet culture and stages of media and how things are changing there, what that whole landscape looks like, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So I think there's something in there for everyone to enjoy, and I hope you guys do. That said, you know what it is. I'm Julian Dory, and this is Trendify. This is one of the great questions in our culture. Where is the news? Everyone understands this, but few seem to do it. If you don't like the status quo, start asking questions. I know you were mentioning this extremes, right? And I I know you were talking about unrealistic beauty standards, and I, I think I think that's where you shut it off. Because like yeah. there are unrealistic beauty standards. But yeah, I just I personally, I, I disagree with that that latter half of that video. In that, I, I, I think you just can't you can't judge someone by looking at them, right? Like it's the oldest thing in the book. You can't yeah. judge a book by its cover. And you were bringing up extremes. The intentions were good. It was taken out of context, but um, yeah, with women's bodies, you're a man. Yeah, you look, can't, people you don't are, know. <laughs> people are going to hear what they want to hear too. Yeah. You know, and that that. That works both. That's the world we live in. It works both ways. So, you know, there are people that took some positive out of that for some of the other parts in it, and that's what they heard. And then there's people who heard those parts and they're like, all right, fuck that. And I, I get that. You yeah. Know? But I, I it's, think it's just like best to always, especially if you don't identify with that gender and, or sex, physical sex of this. I, I just, yeah, I don't like, I can understand. Your intentions were good there, but I also understand all the women sure. who responded that way. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a complicated body image and relationship with your body, health. Um, it, it's all so complicated. And I think we are so sensitive towards that because women have seen we've seen ourselves portrayed wrong and misunderstood yeah. in the media for so long. Um, so that's why hearing something like that, even from a man, it's like, no, <laughs> no, you can't <laughs> say that. Uh, yeah. I get that. No, but I like I I'm not I'm, I don't hate you for it. Like I'm okay. Look, I'm, but I just as I, I wanted to let you know. Don't say it. <laughs> as as I always say, like there's a lot of shit said in here. There's gonna be some stuff that's that's wrong, and I think. But you, you learn know, from that. Yeah, and I think even like some of it. Sometimes like you can the delivery can be wrong, and I think mm -hmm. I you just said it like the intention there. I I think my intentions were were good. Like I feel really good about that. But you feel you know, really good about saying that beauty standards are unrealistic. Yes, okay. exactly. I mean, I agree with that. Yes. And then when you when you take it to, to the other level, I understand when people are like, all right, well, that's not your territory to talk on, especially like if it's that's not good. if it's not another female in here with me. That might make it a maybe it doesn't might make a female would have shut you right down. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> like, they would. <laughs> Depends on the fit. There were a lot of there were a lot of women that again. I think they heard the other parts. Yeah, that's what you I heard what I mean? as well. And I'm like, yeah. I agree. Sometimes I look at Instagram and my self esteem that day tanks, and and then yeah. you have to have a talk with yourself and be like, well, these filters are fucking fake. Yeah, that's crazy. And like my cellulite's fine, and her cellulite is great. I don't care what size anyone is. Like, as long as you are healthy, that's all that matters. And I think that just circles back. Like, you don't know who's healthy. Like, I know people who are real thin and they are healthy. Like, I, I do. And I know mm -hmm. people who are have bigger bones and they have a bigger structure, different than I do, and they are so healthy. And that's great. So, yeah, it's just we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But you're, like, doing this. You've had the microscope on you pretty much, like, since you've been on the internet here and you're you're in this where you're a female in this type of industry and you're making food and stuff so i think it adds like a whole nother context to it because you know what some of the stereotypes are going to be like oh this this girl makes content about making food she's just eating all day why does she look so great and then there's people, well, and there's people saying i'm bulimic exactly so there's people out there that that judge a book by its cover exactly right? and so it you hurts. deal with it personally it hurts and i think that's why i i completely i can be sensitive towards sure. what you said as well um but it's because i feel it for everyone you know you you own like what you do very well though all i'm not just talking about with that i'm talking about oh, with everything you. like you have a very obviously like you have a great personality for it and you're very friendly and people like get happy seeing your smile no really like that's small things like that when people are going through a feed and they see like a big smile all the time like it's a vibe <laughs> check kind of thing you know Thanks. so people like that but you you know you've added layers to this over the years and moved from starting with the blog all the way to full-blown video studio content and everything and you seem to have adjusted at every step and so i don't care what you do whether it's in a niche talking about food or in some other random niche on the internet, when, when I see people who sustain for like a decade and then continue to adjust and, and make a new product and continue to build their audience, that's a beautiful thing because it's very, very hard to do. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I think like people who aren't in this industry, sorry, sometimes it's pretty difficult to understand how much work goes into it. So I appreciate that. Well, I'm glad to give the compliment because yeah, really I, I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, you, you know? get it. You're hustling. It's, You're working your butt off. It's a lot. I, I don't know why people, 
and I don't, per, I haven't really personally experienced this, but I, I know a lot of other people who have, you know, there's such a, there is such an instantaneous, like, urge to, to rip people who create and, and do well with it. Right. So like you've had, you've been successful at this for a while. So Trying. I don't, I don't know how much you deal with that, but I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about that with creators because it's not to, it's not like you want to sit here and be like, you know, fuck you, I'm creating or whatever, but people do that from the other end, from their own seat. And frankly, you know, they're not doing shit. Yeah. I mean, you never know when I have someone sending a lot of hate, lots of hate, <laughs> get it a lot. Um, I always kind of empathize with them first to say like, okay, why do you think they feel this way? And mm. then I try and talk to them because usually if you approach people with kindness, they'll reverse. But it really does upset me when uh, people undermine the work that I put into everything. Like, I don't, I don't know if you know how much work goes into a culinary post. Like one, Tell us about it. one video. I know. Oh, I'm going to, I'll like, you can pull something up here, but one of my videos, pull it up. I'll tell you all the steps, or you don't even have to. I'll tell you everything that went into On it. On Instagram? What? Yeah, anything. I mean, the short ones, any length of video, I'll tell you. And then I'll, I'll break down every single job that people are hired for that goes into it. Well, that's, that's another question real yeah. quick. How much of what you do, because I know for a long time you were doing literally everything, but now do you at least have some people who are putting together like some of the cuts? No, I edit every. I well for YouTube, I did recently hire someone to edit for my YouTube and help me with filming. Um, but I cut everything for Instagram. And prior to April, I was doing it all myself for YouTube no and way. Instagram. Yeah, oh, this whole time I studied broadcast journalism, so I, I learned how to edit and film. Well, I mean school. that's great, and as you should like. Yeah, if, you have to if know, you know everything. <laughs> exactly, no pun intended here. But yeah. if you know how to cook the whole meal and buy the ingredients, yeah. then it's you know you can at least have that expectation when you bring in people, and like you it's also hard. know everything that goes into it. Well, this is what's so difficult about hiring people. I've hired many people. I've had many tangents in business, and no one cares as much as you. And it's very difficult to find someone in a creative space, um, especially when your face is on it. Who will care like you do? It's about the person, and you have to find that right person. It's very hard. So true. It, yeah. It's like all the littlest things that probably no one really – like even some of the ones that no one really cares about, but you're in there and you know it's there and you care about it. Yep. You need it done that way. Oh, yeah. It comes down to like 0. 0.01 seconds and a yeah. cut for a video. I just do it myself yeah. because – it, it's faster for me. Like I tried to hire writers, but it's faster for me instead of editing it to just do it myself. And it, it's difficult sometimes to figure out where to outsource as a business person. But I want to tell you everything that goes into one yeah, post. Yeah, I have it oh, right up do. behind you. So okay. pull up what, whatever uh, video whatever, you want. Whatever one that you like. Let's see. All right. Uh, let's do this one right okay. here. Okay. All right. So. <laughs> and I'll have this in the corner for people okay. to watch. And this is a very simple recipe. So okay. this is like as simple as they come. This is a block of fried feta. Okay. And everything goes into this. So first, should I pretend this is branded and tell you what goes in with, with yeah. like paid stuff? Yeah, let's right. do it. So say a brand sponsored this. I would talk to the brand. We'd negotiate. My agent does that for me with the fees. Typically, oh, you, got a, you, got, you got an agent. Oh, I have a team. I'm so blessed. Oh, man. I, yeah, I, I'm extremely grateful This is legit. Them. This is legit. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Um, seriously, without them, I, would, I don't know what I would do at this point. Anyway... All right, so one video, a brand wants to jump in. Usually, they will lowball the shit out of you. Sure. Usually. It, it is shocking. Are they going straight to your agent now? 
Yes. Okay, so yeah. that you don't have to. Mm-mm. Okay, that's good. But I get I got an email <laughs> from a brand. <laughs> Often. This happens once a week. Hi, we'll offer you a $100 Visa gift card. <laughs> yeah. no, And this happens all the time. And this is why I want to say everything that goes on here. So, how many, brand, fo- how many followers do you have now? I have 220,000. Like, on Instagram. On Instagram. That's TikTok, I'm only at 23,000. We're trying 200, our best. 220,000 on Instagram is a lot. We like try that, our best. That definitely monetizes better than 220 on TikTok. Small no wins. Doubt. We yes. all try our best (laughs) okay so say a brand wants to jump in they're like make this fried cheese for me first off um you have to pitch three usually i I pitch three concepts i send it over they pick one or we talk about one so this will be like in the video i'll make a block of fried cheese or i'll make five small blocks of fried cheese put it on a salad add avocado or we will make it the side dish for a seafood and they choose so you came up with what this dish, this literal dish needs to be in this hypothetical scenario because this, this one was different. Yeah. This was just your own. But yeah. let's say this was one of your branded ones. You were deciding everything you were going to make with it. Yeah. You were in charge of all of that. Yeah. Oh. They didn't have any ideas. You just. No, no. Yeah. Well, sometimes they'll give you a brief and say, this is the direction we want to go in. I prefer it, honestly, when they don't, because I'd rather just be like, here's how we're going to do well. Because this mm. is what my audience likes. But sometimes I'll have a brief and be like, we want to use it with seafood. And we want to show a a 15-minute meal. And you're like, all right, here are three ideas for that concept. Choose your favorite. I don't know if everyone does that, but in my the way that I like to make my clients happy is to provide a, a lot of options. They'll come back with one. I'll agree. So after they agree, I will write a production list. All the shots, close-ups, stand-ups, all the art shots, right? This Wait, is, you already have that planned. No, this is concept. Concept is like a brief explanation. Okay. Like this will shoot a recipe. Quick question: How yeah. many how many angles do you have? Oh, I would say I would say I do like artsy shots here, close ups and stand ups. I was gonna say because like at just quick eyeball, and it looks like you have. I don't know if you do on this. Maybe you're doing a lot of quick camera work, but it looks like you have like ten. No, I have one iPhone camera here. I this is That's I I've got, I got help with shooting this one. So like prior to it's having amazing. the my guy Andrew, who's awesome, um, he. I, I didn't have them before. I would do tripod everything and have to shoot twice. So one shoot would be stand-ups. One shoot would be close-ups. I'd make the recipe twice. Yeah. And then you cut that together. Yeah. One for YouTube, wow, one for Instagram. that's complicated. I know. Okay, wait. So, okay. We pitch wow. the ideas, right? Yeah. Then I, they approve. I send a production shot list. So all the shots you see, this is one 1,000 <laughs> of all the shots we actually shot. And then... Um, I they approve it and then I shoot it and um you have to get ingredients you have to prep the ingredients so you need if you have certain like a salsa you got to chop the onions chop the tomatoes make sure everything's properly diced get your mise en place which means setting your ingredients in bowls making sure everything's neat what so, was that mise en, mise en place mise en place everything in its place it's a culinary term country of origin you know like when you watch food TV and everything's in the the bowls yeah. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And I don't watch food TV, but I <laughs> I know that one. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So you got to prep your ingredients. And then you before you film, you have to test the recipe multiple times to make sure the science behind it works. It's got to be good. Yeah. Because you yeah. you're writing this. Yes. Like if someone else is going to make this at home, if you made it once, it could be wrong. If you're using a different kind of flour, whatever. Test the recipe. Then you approve it. Then you film it. Then you get all the angles, then you edit it, and then you submit with the copy and the caption to the brand. So how many days on something like that after they agree to it? Mm. 
The shoot would be that that shoot would probably four hours because I had someone helping, and then the edit would take two, and then for revisions like one to two. Okay, the edit that's actually wow, you got a humming machine. I'm, I would have thought that I'm edit good. would have taken a lot longer. I'm really good at that. I was gonna say, <laughs> I'm holy quick. Shit. I know at this point, but usually it would take a lot longer. YouTube takes way longer. And why is that? Longer format. Oh, duh. Yeah. Yeah, because you're getting you get a lot of your stuff. I notice, like, because on TikTok we can see we the bar. So you get you kind of. It's just been on a loop. Like I'm, I'm mesmerized <laughs> by it. But you get. I'll pull up another one too. Yeah. You get a lot of your stuff at that like 30 second mark too, and it's a full. Ingri- it, it, it's literally a full oh, thing. No. My buddy Johnny Drinks has a great page on TikTok, and they they do um, they do like all different alcoholic beverages and stuff nice. but they they got to take 45 to 60 seconds on all these and mm-hmm. i know you do on some as well but like me trying to picture them getting that below 30 seconds gives me agita because i'm like <laughs> how do you even you know what his dad does like all the smoke in the glass and everything oh it's like, that's so cool how do you i can't even wait to check that, that out that, you know? um yeah it, it's a lot of work and i i do think like different influencers are offered different rates but i still think culinary creators are not pitched the same rates that they should be getting why do you think that is i'm not sure i i don't know i know fashion has a lot of money um but some large culinary conglomerates also do like the brands i work with are wonderful and that i use them all the time and they're willing to compensate fairly and that's what i hope that the rest of the brands will do you know what hundred dollar visa gift card i i wrote i wrote that's crazy i wrote back i was like this is insulting like even if like, if you pitch this to someone who has 5,000 followers, it's rude. And I was like, they are doing production work, editing work, hosting work. They have ad space for you. What's wrong with you? And yeah. you have hundreds of millions of dollars. I looked up the net worth of the company. You should. Uh, yeah. You I was should. like, are you kidding? If someone has 5,000 followers, and let's say they have 300 of them, like, kind of locked in. Like, those people are yeah. actually their real fans. That's 300 people. If 5% of those people decide that they're going to take an action and do this. And then, be, by the way, when they do it, if they like it, what do we do when we like food? We talk about it. Yeah. Think about the monetization that literally just getting the end result of five to ten of their total following mm-hmm. to, to follow through with this. That's worth a lot long term. Yeah, it's long term. It's repeatable. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wild. Show, I'm so excited to tell you all the I, work. I, I know. Like, I'm, I'm so curious about <laughs> this. I'm very passionate this. about this. You should be. Yeah. You should be. And you've been doing it a long time. Yeah. But show me one. Let's click one that has a brand in it. I love I love every brand I work with. They're, Good. They're the best. Oh, my God. Ninja. The which, Ninja Ice. Which one? All, uh, Ninja Ice Cream. Right here? Yeah. Okay. The and by the way, I'm, so not, cool. I'm not playing the sound just because oh, it has fine. music in it. So we won't be able to have oh, that. Oh, I forgot to mention a process of the video recording the voiceover as well. Before That's another thing. I've never yeah. I've never had to do that. Nice. I don't do voiceovers with what I do. Yeah. So I know some people obviously they'll have like on TikTok, they'll have the bot read it. That's simple. But then the voiceovers people do, they have to do that off the app, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's better off the app mm. for better sound quality for that medium. Like I do it for TikTok on TikTok. I do it for Instagram on Instagram. Do you use a mic? I just wing it. Like no one cares. At the end of the day, because you sound pretty good. Like it doesn't sound like a shore, but it sounds like it sounds like you're talking into like at least like a like a what's it called the Yeti mic. I'll take it. Something like that. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. I don't. All right. So walk me through this one. Like what went on behind this? Yeah. With so this was with a brand. Yeah. So 
which brand was it the Ninja Kitchen. Ninja Kitchen. They are amazing. They have these incredible kitchen appliances. Oh, it was the thing you were making it with. Yeah, these are exciting. I uh, this was a long term partnership. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, So yeah, I had they told me about this launch. I'm also part of their culinary recipe team, so I write the recipes for their website for the ones that I make. So they use that for their own blog. Do you invent these things? Yeah. Oh. I test them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nothing that like you rip a little bit of like a popular one. Well, everything is inspired by something okay. else. All right. So like I made a carbone inspired spicy rigatoni vodka and they didn't create that dish either. It's a classic Italian dish. But um, yeah, I, I love to go to restaurants and become inspired by what I'm eating and try and create it at home. That's but I don't awesome. have I never would like go look at a recipe and like change one ingredient that pisses me off <laughs> oh oh my god i can't <laughs> all right so you're you're taking some leaps yeah. so, sometimes like you've made some videos and i bring this one up because i hate mushrooms with a burning passion oh I we can't, can't be friends I, know, I have to leave I know. now you put you put the truffle videos up i need and you to leave <laughs> i need sorry. you to leave your own story. look if it's if it's mushrooms or carrots <gasps> like julian my mom would try to feed me those when i was growing up you know how like parents yeah force you oh, to she eat probably fed food. you boiled boring button mushrooms my mom's a great cook so i'll, I'll get shot if i don't say okay. that because she might actually and she probably fed you the most delicious seared mushrooms on the right. planet and you turned them down no because i i'm not kidding i would projectile vomit i'm serious have you tried them as an adult yes have you tried like, like the cool ones even when i get like the edge of a carrot in a salad that's like I didn't even notice it was there until it was going down. It's like, oh my god! I wish I told like I wish you told me this so I could have brought you my shredded oyster tacos, oyster mushroom tacos. You wouldn't know. You would think it was me. That's what I'm saying. When I watch some know. of those videos, it's almost like an acid trip, like what you're making right there, because it's like all, that's what I'm <laughs> like so much. That's stuff. why I was asking like if this is like stuff you're just totally inventing because yeah. it's like. You're not literally doing this, but to Everyone's. me, it's almost like, all right, we're going to try some ice cream with spaghetti and throw some basil on there. Yeah. Like, it's like, what? You and could. then you look at, all right. Ice cream is so cool. You can do so much. You with can do ice spaghetti cream. with ice cream. Yeah, but you can do whatever the hell you want. That's why I, I mean, love home I, cooking. I there are can. no rules. If you like it, you like it. Who cares what anyone else thinks? But I'll watch some of those that have truffles in it. And I'm like, I, I, I don't almost. Have truffles I don't here. Not this one. Oh. I'm saying like some of the other ones you've put up mushrooms, not truffles. You call it like truffle something though. When? <laughs> there were like, t- I think two of these were on TikTok. You had like a carbonara. This is like maybe a month oh, or two ago. Oh, that was Christmas. I didn't, like that was a special occasion. <laughs> I don't remember, but I'll look through these and I'm like, I kind of want that. And I know it has something in there I don't want, but I'd still eat it. Well, that's what's cool. I, mean, I, think, cool. I think you would love it. I think you would love my mushroom tacos. You wouldn't know. I wouldn't tell you. As long as you're not allergic. I'm not. I'm I would I never endanger anyone's life no, for I the sake of enjoying a food. I don't know. Maybe anymore, you are, so maybe I, we don't do that. I don't like. I feel like you'd know. I feel like I, you'd know, I but I if did, you were vomiting, then you know. But all, but it was like a, it was a like, it was like almost like a gag kind of. Thing. It wasn't like, oh, my face is blowing. It wasn't yeah. like that. It was just like, oh, this is gross. Like I can't. Aww. Like something about the feeling mm-hmm. of it. The wrong. You had the wrong mushroom for you. Yeah. There's a mushroom for everyone. What's the craziest food you've ever eaten? Guys, I'm trying to help you. I really am. But you got to want the help. 
You got to help me help you. I can take the horse to the well, but I damn well can't make him drink it. Now, Dick Cheney might disagree with that and call it enhanced interrogation, but the point remains. Every week, I tell you about my friends at Eight Sleep and how they are changing the sleep game, how they are making it feel like you slept eight hours even if you only sleep six and actually feel energized in the morning in the process. And every week, I tell you to hit that link in my description and use the code TRENDOFIRE at checkout to get $100 off either the Eight Sleep Pod Pro mattress or Eight Sleep Pod Pro cover. But at this point... I'm practically begging you. Now, I'm going to focus on the cover because that's what I use. It's half the price of the mattress. It does all the same things, and you don't have to get a full-blown new mattress. You can keep the one you have, keep whatever the comfort level is there, and get all the benefits here. Now, if you, if you want an actual new mattress, get the mattress because the 8Sleep Pod Pro mattress is awesome. But again, back to the cover. The cover uses 8Sleep's proprietary technology to wire right into it and optimize your sleep stages around you. That means it measures things like your body temperature, your sleep stages throughout the night, your REM, and a whole bunch of other stuff that I am completely unqualified to talk about to make sure that when you wake up in the morning, that whole you're going to feel like you slept eight hours when you really only slept six is going to be a very real so use that link in my description along with the code TRENDIFIER, that's T-R-E-N-D-I-F-I-E-R, at checkout, and you will get $100 off either the full-blown mattress, if that's what you want, or the Pod Pro mattress cover, which is what I use. Check it out. You won't regret it. I'm glad I could help you. Um, I've eaten crickets. I've eaten um duck tongue in china all right back up for a second yeah we're, we're gonna get to this. oh i studied food in hong kong there was a lot of cool stuff all right we gotta get to that yeah <laughs> but before that you ate crickets yeah in a taco and i fed them to people in washington square park Come on. for a school assignment it was so funny i was in a journalism journalism class and my teacher was like everyone do like man on the street reporting and i just didn't talk about anything serious i just fed people crickets did they know they were eating crickets of course okay all right i was like would you try this and a lot of people said no, and some people said yes. What does a cricket taste like? It's just crunchy. You just have to put salt on it, and it's just crunchy. It's is, like is it still dried like out. The eyes in there and everything. I didn't look that close. Or grasshopper. I ate grasshopper. They're larger than crickets. Okay, same shit. Where, where are you getting grasshopper in New in, York City? In uh, Toluache, it's a Mexican restaurant. They had uh, grasshopper tacos. I'll never forget it. A Mexican restaurant. And I called grasshopper them. tacos. It's, it's pretty traditional. I like to find restaurants. That's why I love restaurant exploration because you can really learn about different cultures and cuisines from authentic restaurants. I don't know how authentic Toloache was, but it was great to experience. So you would eat that again? Yeah. What I would eat the one thing I won't eat is balut. It's a Philippine Filipino dish. Um and it's you just look it up. But how do you spell it? B-A-L-U-T. B-A. And I have nothing against that dish, which is a tradition for this culture, right? I just personally oh, that's can't eat the bird developed. I'm like gonna that. put I'm gonna put the picture of this in the corner. So if people if you if you're listening and you wanna come look on YouTube, you can look. Yeah. But I'm just gonna read what it is. I just don't want anyone to think that I am against this dish for cultural reasons. Yeah, yeah. It's very important to this culture. It I is. Guess, it's a delicacy. Yeah. And I gotta for ask me the personally, about that. It, I just I I personally don't think I could eat it. So a balut is a fertilized developing egg embryo that is boiled and eaten from the shell. So it, it's it's developed. an egg. 
But that egg is, it's not fresh. No, it's just, it's a bird in the egg. Wow. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't think I could try. That's something. You know what is crazy, though? We have these attitudes towards things, and obviously I have all of them. But, like, a you lot of like us... You feel like you're a picky eater. <laughs> you know what? I'm not. I'm not. Good. I'm a boring eater. That's fine. You I don't like have enough like. time to think about it. Okay. So, like... You eat the, to survive. Before I, yeah, before I did this, and I eat a lot, like, especially when I was lifting all the time. I'll get back to that. But, <laughs> like, I eat a lot, but... I don't have enough time to cook it and think about it. And when I wasn't doing this, I at least, you know, I had my weekends and stuff. So I'd eat, I would always order. Like I, I like good food, but yeah. I'm not one of those guys who's like, I'm going to go try this and try that. You know, um, I'm not going, I don't feel a need to go outside the box just to do it. Yeah. But I've thought about it more, not because some of the stuff I think about, I'm going to try. It's just wild to me that we have certain attitudes built in. So I react the way I did, which yeah. is genuine about yeah. like grasshoppers or crickets. Yeah. And yet, you know, it's protein. That's what I'm saying. Like we'll eat a fish. We'll eat, yeah. you know, whatever we, we eat shrimp, which is basically a water grasshopper. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know why we did that, but it's one of those things in society where they just kind of repeat it. And it gets passed down generations. It's like, oh, no, you don't do that. You know what's crazy is the evolution of food. Like lobster, it's a delicacy now. It used to be considered not. like for what, is, what does that mean? Um, like, what do you mean? I know that term, delicacy, but like, what is that like an official? Oh, like a nice, fancy meal, I think. Well, that's what I mean in yeah. this circumstance. Like yeah. fancy meal, elevated, elegant, and it used to be thought of as just like a big shrimp. Really? Yeah, it used to not be considered a... Now it's like the epitome of wealth. What? I'm pretty sure... Are there less of them? Is that why? Um, so it's more expensive? I have no idea. I, I have no idea. But I know that I read something. You can fact check this because yeah. if I'm wrong, I'm going to be an idiot. But. No, it's okay. Everything I told you yeah. before, everything we hedge, <laughs> like people, if we're saying something, we say we don't know, please look it up yourself. Yeah, let's look but, it yeah. up because I'm like 90% sure lobster used to be considered like... Peasant food. Really? Yeah. Or something along those lines. Maybe that just wasn't in my lifetime. But It wasn't. It wasn't in our lifetimes. I mean, there's Red Lobster restaurant, but and that's, that. that's affordable. But How lobster, see, how lobster got fancy. In the 1800s. When, oh, it was prison food. I, yeah, I told you. <laughs> how lobster went from prison food to an expensive delicacy. This is on SpoonUniversity.com. Yeah, I, I worked with them before, yeah. But let's... Of course you have. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I feel like, you know, like at this point, you've kind of touched a lot. Of, like there's a lot of brands I'm going to pull up and it's like, oh yeah, at one point. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I've been doing it a long time. All right. So I'm not sure about you. The lobster is a rare treat in my household because it's expensive. Uh, this example, Luke's Lobster, they charge $16 for a fairly small main style lobster roll. Honestly, who wants to pay that for a minuscule amount? I agree. If you, I'm just scrolling down. So... Here we go. Back when the European settlers came over to North America, they said that there were just so many dang lobsters that they would pile up two feet high and wash ashore in Massachusetts Bay Colony. Just imagine lobsters on lobsters on lobsters. Mm. So, I okay, yeah. the idea the lobster was also known as a poor man's meal because yeah. the overabundance of these guys made it easy for people with no money to get their protein. In fact, these crustaceans 
I think I said that right, were fed to prisoners, apprentices, and slaves. So it probably, and I'd have to look into it more, but it probably has to do with the fact like, yeah, like everything else, when we start overfishing some fish, the price goes way up. I can't think Mm. of examples, but I know there's a lot. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, but that's another problem too. It is a huge problem. We're like over hunting and fishing. Oh, and the microplastics and everything. Microplastics are found in fish now. Because there's so much plastic in the ocean. And what's a micro? A microplastic is are that- like tiny particles that now like make up the fish because they've eaten so much of it. So when you are eating salmon or whatever, you are eating a little bit of plastic. I shouldn't be saying holy shit. Holy I know. Shit. Did you not know this? I didn't know it was like it's that. Eye-opening. I knew that. I knew that. Like. Obviously, A, a lot of animals are dying because they're just eating the plastic that we dump into there. And so that's affecting that's the population. That's a major problem. Huge mm-hmm. problem. But B, the one I always thought about, and I don't know much about it, but the whole like mercury in the water, because then that gets into their, like it actually, it gets into the meat itself on certain. I didn't know that. Yes. Huh. That, that was like the old, don't eat it. It's got mercury in it because some of these contaminated areas. The animals swim, th- you know, the fish swim through it. Mm-hmm. So then it's like in their blood. So then they'd huh. say it's in the meat. But what you're saying is that literal, like almost microplastic pieces of plastic. Are- yeah. I wonder if that's like the bones you you get. You know, when you get a little bone sometimes in a fish. No, it's not that. I think okay. it's like really part. That's still bones. Like part of the. I think it's. Still- <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Just to preface here, uh, I just do know that it's pretty alarming and. Oh, I'm not vegan. Um, a lot of restaurants are moving towards veganism. It's it's an interesting pivotal moment for the culinary industry due to climate change, of course. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's it's a crazy time to be a cook. Did you see the documentary on Netflix? This is maybe this might have been like six months ago, something like that. I forget which wh- one it was called. Maybe it was called like seafood Inc. or, Oh, you know I what I'm started about? it. It, it scared me. And like, it's important to it watch was. these things. It's very scary. It was, I, I want to get the name so that yeah. people have it, but this guy, I mean, he pointed out a lot of things, but the main takeaway that I had was that no matter what countries it is and everything. And it, to an extent, it's like every country you have an, economic incentive Mm. for people to catch certain animals and so what they do first of all some of it's just straight up inhumane because they're doing it to like fucking dolphins and stuff that like have brains bigger than we do it's horrifying but also it's just like they they're taking away the whole population they go to these areas where certain sharks for example will congregate and then they just get all of them it's like cheating where is that the one, the one example I can remember that I'm thinking of, I believe, was off the coast of China. And there's like a place where a certain... They still eat shark fin there, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Like when I was there, they had shark fin soup on some menus. And that was... Was that in the documentary? Sea Spiracy. That was in the That's documentary. They yeah. were going... Either this one or another one. They were going around to these restaurants and telling them, can you stop serving shark fin soup? I don't know if it was this one or another one, but I know it's like a big, big issue. The, the problem is... People do, and like, you know this so well from social media, you see the biggest experiment of it all. People do things to impress other people. So when something like that costs a lot of money. What, you mean the or, animal? Yeah. Like, mm. When it costs a lot of money or it's more rarefied or, or it's more like a delicacy, something mm. like that, people want to show that they're having it. 
Yeah. I it's so messed up. <laughs> like yes. it's like similar to exotic animal hunting. It's just so fucked. What's wasn't there an animal recently that's like extinct now? I don't that they just so many of them. I don't know. It makes me so sad. I mean, I look. It's difficult because difficult. That's dramatic. It's a it's an interesting place. I love traditional culinary arts. I will eat duck. Mm-hmm. I will eat foie. It's a French uh, duck liver pate. Very, it's usually inhumane. What what's a liver pate? Like a moose. <laughs> Delicious. Okay, but here's the thing. Yeah. I am traditionally French. That is traditional mm-hmm. in France to eat foie gras. Foie gras. I'm, I'm saying it correctly. That's My husband's going to kill me. That's not France. What? I always thought frogs? that when they said like foie gras. La la crinoui is a frog i don't speak french as you and then there's escargot snails i knew that one yeah so that is traditional french and a lot of these countries france going africa asia anywhere eating certain animals is traditional it is how people grew up it is what their neighborhood would do the local butcher and when it's done locally and it becomes part of your life like that's one thing. But here, nowadays, everything is so mass-produced. And it, and me being like, I love duck. I love this. I love traditional foods. I am even against these practices. Oh, sure. I don't want to yes. eat. I don't want to really touch certain things that I know aren't local or sustainable. Like It's a very interesting space to be in. And I feel like this idea of traditional foods for certain cultures are now being challenged because it's not ethical right and but it's also there's so many sides to this argument it's like who are you to say that what someone grew up with hundreds of years they've been eating this and now you're gonna say it's not ethical and then yeah i i just think there's just a lot i mean the big most i think when we try and recreate it at like certain restaurants it's maybe not as ethical but if someone from that country their family's doing it like they should still be allowed to do that without being well, considered bad. And it's another thing, like where it's a cultural thing, but like exactly. where's the line? I mean, look, they eat dogs. In, I know, and that in, makes me sick. And it's like, you know, I know a dog, my, my buddy's rescued a dog. Like wild dogs? No, there's a, mm. there's a, there's a type. A main, I mean, they eat a bunch of them, but there's a main type they eat. And this breed, my buddy's rescued a dog that mm, was, no. that was, bound for that and the, this is really bad <laughs> it's all it's all like conditions like how you grew up like where you grew up like what you find is acceptable to eat it's you know what we sit here and we judge it and i do because i'm like how, could you, eat how could you ever eat a dog but to your point it's also like that's all they know they, exactly they grew they don't they'll even look at a certain breed of animal mm-hmm. and be like well we eat that one you know, there was a similar thing. This is a different subject matter, but like with the whole Michael Vick thing, which is enough to make you sick. Like what he did back in the day with I the don't dogs. Even know what? what? So, <laughs> what is this? All right. Yeah. Oh, God. I might need to help you out here. But yeah, Michael I don't Vick, know. great football player, uh-huh. actually played for the Eagles in his second career. He went to jail for 18 months because he financed a dog fighting ring with pit bulls. Michael Vick grew up in it. And I'm not, listen, it was fucked up. It was. Mm-hmm. And he, to his credit, he even says that to this day. But where he grew up, pit bulls 
were raised to fight each other where, to the where, death. Where did he grow up? He grew up in Newport News, Virginia. And it was a very common thing. And so when he looked at a pit bull or looked at a mm. golden retriever, it, you know you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it's like, okay, dog, not dog. That's that's fighting dog. And, and it's wild for us to think about that. And it doesn't excuse yeah. it or make it right. But I'm saying like, no, but it's, uh, why is it different with food? If, yeah, if that's all you know when you're growing up, like everyone's born in different conditions. You can't really right. hold that against anyone. Like we eat bacon. Pigs are really smart. Yeah, that's that's, that's a, pigs tough. are common meat too. I you know, know pork, everything, and like I I still eat it. I try and source where I eat meat from differently now. I I just yeah, it's like I I'm how not do you, vegan. How do you do that? Source differently? Yeah. Oh, uh, honestly, I will go organic, sustainable, local if I can. If I can go to a local butcher, I can. Um, I have a local seafood truck, not like a truck, like he, he like works with restaurants and he has stuff he offers to our neighborhood. So you just try and find good things where you can. I just won't go for like the basic, basic, basic sure. meat at the store. I see, I'm a huge skeptic now with all of it and I don't, I don't have time to do anything about it or whatever, but I feel like, and you saw examples of this in that documentary too with seafood, but this happens with everything. The supply chains are so long. Mm. Even the people who have the best intentions and are legitimately like trying to source it correctly, mm. there's no way for them to 100% know. You never know. You do not know at all. <laughs> like you just don't. They, there are some brands like I'll notice I feel better if I'm eating this stuff. But I don't even eat meat very much anymore. I love a good steak occasionally. Nothing's going to change that. Because <laughs> like, right. I was raised like that. Sure. Um, but yeah, I'm very careful now. And I try my best as a consumer to be informed. But like you said, you only know as much as you know when you get to the store. You weren't there when everything was done. The only time you're going to know how fresh something is is uh, if you are on the farm. Yep. That's it. And usually in small towns, like small towns in France. My mother-in-law is from uh, Algeria and then she moved to France. Um, She lived there now? No. She's here. She's here. In New York. But she, like, <laughs> they had their livestock there, and they would make it right there. You know where it's from. Yeah, exactly. It's the other thing, and I've never thought about this, but my friend's wife was, like, educating me on this. I oh, was really? like, holy shit. Good but for her. What, oh, my God. She <laughs> You're knew, learning a lot. I never, like... <laughs> Now I look at all food differently and I'm terrified of all of it, but I just kind of, I'm like, all right, I'm going to die. You can't of something. live your life like that. Right. Yeah. But she was, and she doesn't either, but she is just very, very informed. So she'll, there's certain things that she can just totally be like, all right, we're buying this one and not that one, mm-hmm. you know, and at least have like a basic A and B alternative for it. But she was talking about like all the things that they feed. Oh, you don't even want to know, especially it's with crazy. Pigs. Oh, it's so horrible. That's why I look for grass fed. <laughs> yeah, a vegetarian diet only. But then it's like, okay, how are we defining vegetarian? Does that box of plastic mean it's vegetarian? <laughs> you know? Like, uh, for context, a lot of livestock, typically pigs, are given garbage to eat. Literally. Yeah, literal garbage. And, and there's, there's like, these terms, too. And I'm going to really mess this up. Tell so me. I, but maybe like, I do. She was talking, I think, about, like, pasteurized versus Mm -hmm. like and then she mentioned like gmo and all that stuff Mm -hmm. it was that part was a little in one ear out the other but she was explaining that there's ways that they'll even tag foods like this and they're not it's not not reliable yeah for Mm, some of them 
That's crazy. I mean, I don't know much about it. I think GMO, like non-GMO, all for it. But I do think like Honeycrisp apples, they're a genetically modified organism. Different breeds of apples that farmers create are genetically modified. Different kinds of grapes. And that's all that means? I'm pretty sure maybe we should look into this a little more, but I remember doing an interview with the local news. Actually, it was like some Netherlands company last year about this new brand of apple. It was like this new farmed apple, and they kept trying to take the stigma away from it being created by farmers. All right, let's give the definition just to be exact so they can't blame us. Genetically modified organism is any organism whose genetic material has been altered using genetic engineering techniques. The exact definition of a genetically modified organism and what constitutes genetic engineering varies, with the most common being an organism altered in a way that, quote, does not occur naturally by mating and or natural recombination, unquote. So, yeah, I think you pretty much described it perfectly just taking away it's something that's done in a lab and it's done it's done with tubes Mm -hmm. that's where it starts and they make something that's previously not available i and i don't i think with produce it's fine like call me crazy but broccolini is awesome and that is a hybrid i think between broccoli and really yeah i thought that was like a I don't know. Shows you how much I know. Uh, Well, I might be wrong. I know that there are like, like all the apples are some grapes that are being created to taste like cotton candy, to taste like sweeter. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing like with wine, and this is something I really am not educated on, but with this GMO stuff, people are inventing, I think, someone was telling me about this. They're like, they're looking at inventing new tastes, but then how do you value it the same? Because like the allure of wine mm, is that it was a grape grown in a certain place in a certain year. So if you have like 1956 wine, if you had a 1956 GMO wine, mm-hmm. are you going to look at it the same? I don't, uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm a level one Somme now. <laughs> a what? Sommelier, like level one. So I, like it's a wine person. It's a what? <laughs> a wine expert. It's a person. A sommelier is someone. Sommelier. Sommelier. So it's a person at the restaurant who will present the wine, who will tell you about the wine, who understands wine. Usually you have to have a lot of experience. I think like level five. I'm level one. So I'm basic. Well, how'd, how'd, how'd you get that? <laughs> I took a class. I got certified. And now I'm doing level two and three in the fall. Side note. I'm so excited. So, so that's awesome. But yeah. what, is, what, like, what goes into that? What's the class like and what's the commitment and like, what do you know that we don't? There's some geography, understanding the grapes, understanding the science of taste, how majority of it really goes through smell and then how your taste buds work, um, understanding the soil, the climates for these grapes. And this is basic. So... In my first class, I just learned about the noble grapes, which are the original, the OG grapes. Like, There's OG grapes? Oh, yeah, they're OG grapes. Okay. Yeah, they're OG grapes. And, are they uh, only you, in a certain country? Majority of wines, it's it's a French thing. Okay. And then Italy as well. Italy, Italy France, and now, um, yeah, I don't want to like sound... I don't want to say anything wrong here, but yes, I'm pretty sure the majority of the grapes started in France. I should know this in my heart because I've studied this in the past, but I'm very I'm not fully secure in my knowledge yet. You know right, when well, you, you learn something, yeah. You know when you learn something and you're like, wait, oh god, am I saying it wrong? And I'm gonna look so stupid, but that's how I feel right now. I'm so, like so new to this industry. So what do you want to like? 
is that going to be something that you want to have to be able to make content around it and be able to have the full, I'm a pro with this? Honestly, that is just the icing on the cake. I'm just very interested in it. Mm. And it's nice to have a culinary hobby that I don't have to post about. Like I just have always, my family's very into wine and I've always grown up around it and I've just wanted to understand it more. And it also can elevate an experience. I want to know how to pair different foods with different wines. That's the stuff I know nothing about. Yeah. It's like, very – I know not much, really. I know that like a basic thing, like they say – and I don't know if this is all seafood, but like a lot of seafood, you want to have a white wine with it. Or like if you're having if you're having pasta, like it goes a little better with red. Like I know some of that stuff. It depends but, on the sauce and like what this pasta is with. Right. So like if it's a clam sauce or something white. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. But I don't know – when people start doing the whole like taste on the top of your mouth thing and like the, oh. I'm like, looking at oh, that. Oh, I get like hints of forest floor with a raspberry and, I'm, I'm like, and like a la la la. Exactly. So that's all subjective. And in my opinion, it it's not approachable and it doesn't make wine seem interesting to anyone else. And that's my personal, probably very unpopular opinion. I, th- I think it's stupid. <laughs> like it's not stupid. It's just, it's a lot. It's a a little too much for the average consumer. It makes it seem so elitist and not approachable. When, in fact, you could just say, this has red fruit. So, like, bright cherry, raspberry, pomegranate. Like, that. what does that taste like? It's lighter than a blueberry or a blackberry. What's the science behind the aging, again, with that? Because, like, it doesn't really matter with white wine. Honestly, so a lot of wine, the majority of wines don't get better with age. I don't know. Including reds. No, reds. Yeah. No, yeah. It just, it, it really depends, but only I think two to 3% of wines get better with age. So what's the, what's the whole thing? It's, it's more, I think of a lifestyle. (laughs) Like the really expensive wines are usually aged longer from previous time period. Because there's less of it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I mean, they also taste great. So age will provide a lot of different things to a red wine because it'll soften the tannins tannins are like the dry feeling in your mouth so it does taste better it does but i'm saying some wines are already produced to taste great like you don't need to age it for 10 years for it to taste great you don't need to age it for 10 years to soften the tannins and what were you saying tannins were again uh the so the grape skins skin seeds stems it's all crushed with the grape with a white you typically don't have all of that that's why it's so smooth like smooth and clean but now there's this natural wine thing happening where white grapes are processed with the skins and the and the uh the seeds and the stems so when you're the looking orange wine sorry that's orange wine when aren't wait orange orange wine. wine what's orange wine so the color is orange because the grape is processed with the stems seeds skins and it adds that color because it's more color to the the grape have you ever seen grapes that are kind of like Yellow with a little red. Yeah. Yeah. It'll change the color, the flavor, and the structure of the wine. So when I'm looking at red wine, I've seen people do like where they tilt the whatever. Yeah. And they'll say, they'll have a a comment where they're like, maybe they do say I can see the tannins or something. I might be mishearing that though. But they'll talk about- They shouldn't be able to see the tannins. Maybe it's not the tannins, but there's something- Yes, that's it. The sediment. You shouldn't see that. So if the sediment's in there, that means it's not settled, which means the wine is not, like, pure. Old wines typically have sediment. You want to 
place them upright before you serve them for a few hours so the sediment goes to the bottom of the bottle. And what's in the sediment? I think that is settled tannins that have gone to the bottom. Mm. I would look this up, but I'm pretty sure that is what it is. <laughs> and uh, like I've never – I've never – there's so many things that will like come up on this podcast where I'm like, you know, I've never checked that on YouTube or like watch that. But when they make wine – like today or even like the last 10 years, whatever it is, they're not, they're not still like in there crushing it with their feet. Like they have. I mean, if you go to the local places in Italy or France, maybe they are, but no, for large scale production, there's usually uh, equipment there for sure. Cause I, I was in Italy studying abroad. And so oh, I, nice. I don't know. I'm still not at all a connoisseur or anything like that, but Pretty much what I found is that you almost couldn't get bad wine there. It was all pretty good. Yeah. But we did learn early on because it also wasn't like a big affordability factor. Oh, if, yeah. If that's you what got, I love about you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you got the, if you got red wine, you wanted the DOCG label on it yep. because that was the internal. The it was Yeah. It was like the Derezione something, something, something. Mm -hmm. And it meant that. And it meant a few things, but it was basically like a, it was like having like a five star rating on it approved by like a central wine source in the country. I don't know if that's a thing. You know, you don't know what I'm talking about? The DOCG label? They're in America no. too. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. I, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. It ha That's like federally approved. I don't know if it was federally because also I like. Italian government. I don't, know. I don't know about those. No, guys. but there's like a for each. Maybe it's the European Union, but I think Italy has its own. Don't quote me. Right. This is uh, what I'm talking. You know. This yeah. Thing. Okay. Yeah. The U.S. has one. France, Spain. Like, I'm pretty sure that's the. Let me see. Okay, so if you have DOCG on a bottle of Italian wine, expect it to be very good. Uh -uh. Uh, I'm just trying to skip to where this would be in the article talking because what i learned a lot about is some of the things on the bottles are all just marketing and not they don't really matter and that's what i'm because now and i wasn't thinking this when i was 21 just having no, a good time same. But, I'm like, Fuck it. Exactly. <laughs> but now i think about this like with food that's why i was bringing that up yeah because you saw the example in seaspiracy but it's in a lot of different things where they slap a label mm -hmm. on it and it's not it's so not vague. real. So that in Italy, it could definitely yeah. be the case. But what it means, just to make sure we have it, DOCG, Denomination of Controlled and Guaranteed Origin, is what it stands for in English. This mm -hmm. is the top of the line grade an Italian wine can receive. It's proof of specific ways the wine is made. And a bottle mm -hmm. with this label is considered a quality wine. There is a fair amount of regulation here with variants. Or with varietals. What, varietals. The, the grape. Okay. Methods and aging all considered Wines with this designation mm. are in an upper echelon. So, you know, besides the ones that the mob's paying off people over there to, to fix, it, <sighs> it probably is pretty good. And, like, I always found, yeah. again, like, I never got a bad one. I never had a bad, like, even when we got, like, at the time, three euro mm. bottles, I'm not going to say they were the greatest thing ever, but it wasn't like Franzia. The European countries have a much more specific wine process than the U.S., and um, I know in France, each kind of grape has to be 100% that grape. So a Cabernet Sauvignon has to be 100% Cab. Mm. In the U.S., it's only a certain percentage, 80-20, I think. And, like, you can just throw some fluff in there. 
Just bring it to the U.S. to water yeah. down. Anything. I know. Well, it's other grapes, so like it could be another blend. Um, I'm not sure if that's the right percentage. Clearly, I'm not remembering what I learned, but you get the point. Well, you'll get <laughs> level three and four and five. No, and then... I just for fun. Level two and three, I'm excited about. It's in person. So. I think it'd be cool if you had some. If eventually, I know you're not doing it the now. Pairings? But uh, yeah, yeah, where yeah. you work that into like, and this is a type of wine that would go totally. great. That'd be amazing. It's and it's so much more accessible for the home cook. I I also want to like demystify this idea that wine is elitist. Like I have a friend who started doing this. Her account was Black Girls Dine Too, and like it's super inspirational. She's very into wine, and she knows so much, and she's educating people on. Great pairings, great wine choices, and her career is just like taking off. And yeah, she's definitely one of the wine people I aspire. I'm just to pulling do, it up. To I do seen things this page. like yeah, no, she's so sweet and like she knows a lot of stuff. So yeah, and and the message I I and like she, the message a lot there because like yeah, and she was telling me about times where she would be at a restaurant and the psalm, like she felt. Like people thought wine was above her as a diner, like and like the, she thought that like it wasn't being presented as something that everyone can enjoy. And she's right. Like lots of times you go to a restaurant and people who are trying to explain wine, it, it can be a daunting process and not approachable for everyone. And with her content, I, I learned a lot about how to make that approachable. And like, you don't have to fall into that. Like, Oh, there's forced floor and like right. blah, blah, blah. And this, like, I will you never can just do that. Be straight up <laughs> yeah. about it. And yeah, so that's what I hope to do. And, like, I'm not going to be an expert like her. She's definitely an expert. I'll just talk about pairings and stuff. It is kind of wild that that, like, these things, these societal lines to this day go down to food, too. And it's What do you mean? What you were just talking about. There's There's these expectations of, oh, you're the type of person that would have this type of food. And oh, go to this God. T- you know what I mean? And it's I know. not. It, it by the way, it goes against everything that, like you talked about being inspired by. I'm just thinking of one example in my head, like an Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. who li- literally tried everything yeah. and like with all different cultures and wanted people to do that. Yeah. And yet, even with people who grew up with that now, there's still some of these like, oh, you eat this, you eat that, you eat that, and that's how it is. Like grouped into yes. certain dishes due to what they look like. Or their race Absolutely. or ethnicity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, oh my God, I saw something the other day. Uh, like some networks, like they try to diversify. And it's, and I'm white, right? And this is painful for me to watch. And I have no place to, I, I'm white. So like I can't say what anyone else is really thinking from that ethnicity. But they were talking about authentic Indian food. And the only dish they brought up was, shana masala and it's just it's a or chicken tikka masala two very classic indian dishes that are very much made in the u.s often but they didn't even try and dig deeper like they if these networks really want to talk about food from other cultures they need to do the digging right they need to feature dishes that aren't americanized and they they need to do better really and i'm white and i see that and anyone who enjoys Food, I, I would be outraged if, like, networks just need to do better, I feel. Every good, not every, but a lot of great food, like, whether it's complicated and involves, like, a whole process or is just something you eat, 
it emanates or emanated originally from outside of America. Like when you say American food, I know people go like burgers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's from all these different cultures, and you would think that major food networks would have that type of presence of mind. Realize, and the original like, oh, source of it. Yes. But the problem is a lot of networks tend to put a white face onto a dish that did not come from this person's kitchen. Uh, and it came from a culture, and it it's someone else from a different ethnicity, different different country, different culture, different race. Um, and they and this is the problem. There's a lot of food appropriation, cultural appropriation in food. And um, I know there's been a lot of pushback, you know, since last year. Thankfully, like a lot of people are taking a stand against these publications, these networks to say you're not representing us correctly, which is very important. But, yeah, it's still unfortunately being done. Well, with the example you give of like just going to the most basic thing, like the number one on the menu, it's not. Yeah. There's no effort into it and it's just checking a box. And something I want to say as a white female in the food space, I am constantly inspired by different chefs and different people, different cultures, different things I've experienced all over the world. And I want to make them at home. I don't think there's anything wrong with making a dish from another culture at home and exploring those flavors. There's something wrong with taking credit for it. Like, I will never take credit for any dish that is from another country. I typically will include a credit in the caption and say this is kind of influenced by Thai culture, kind of influenced by Korean. I use Korean noodles here. um, But this is what I wanted to do with it. But, like, I didn't make this up. Yeah, and that's what you should do. Yeah, it, but it's it, you, a lot of people don't, I guess. Mm, some people have made um, curries and called them soups, <laughs> and I'm not that. There's that is a specific instance, and there's a lot of that. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. It, me neither, and that's what's so unfortunate about yeah. this. Because like, and you bring up that term too, like cultural appropriation. There is such a fine line with this that I generally just get frustrated when I see Mm -hmm. it because I feel like either people – and it sounds like this happens a lot in food especially, but it's in other things too. People either just try to check the box and then not even like – What do you mean by that? Meaning like the first example you gave. They'll just get the most basic dish to say, look, we're representing India. Uh, Oh, like token – Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And then you'll also get people who just kind of like – adopt and adapt and then call it their own Mm. and things like that. And I think that that's wrong. I also think though that sometimes, and I don't, I can't think of examples of this in culinary because I'm not the guy to like, I'm not paying attention to that nearly as close as you are, but you'll see other people do things to like adopt another culture because they like it. And Mm -hmm. then they get, and they're giving credit for Mm -hmm. it too. And they're very much like, Oh, I'm into this. And they, they get a lot of shit for it. Mm -hmm. What I'm not saying by the way, is that, Someone like, like what Rachel Dolezal did, the the lady who like faked being black. That that's fucked up. Like, wait, you, who did that? Oh, you didn't you didn't hear, hear about this one? Oh my god, Rachel Dolezal. Who? What? She has a different name now. She changed it. To something when was different. this? This was like maybe three four years ago. She was the president of the Seattle or one of the Washington chapters of the NAACP. Is she actually white? Hundred percent white. Faked being black. Like this, that's, that to me is textbook. That is horrible. Yeah. So that's not at all when I'm talking about like when people are doing things to like 
celebrate and credit a culture and be like, I love this and I want to bring it into mainstream. Mm -hmm. Sometimes now, and maybe righteously so, people are very sensitive to yeah. that because they're, they've seen so many examples mm -hmm. of people doing it the wrong way totally. like that, you know? I agree. I, I Sometimes, like, no one can really win and certain things will bring out reactions in others due to what they've been through. And I think mm. if you are creating recipe content and dabbling in other cultures, which I think every cook does because everything sure. is inspired by everywhere. Yes. <laughs> um, it will always trigger that kind of response. But I, if, like, I understand where they're coming from. Imagine feeling like you're underrepresented for so long and represented by the wrong people. Mm. And and then you see something, someone trying, but it, and you're still hurt. It's still going to hurt you. So I I do understand where they come from. Yeah. 100%. And, and I, I appreciate good intentions on stuff, but I think they're also, you have to have, you were talking about this with something earlier too. You got to have like, the right representation with it as well. You know, if you're just putting yeah. out a, a bunch of white women making all the same meals from a bunch of different countries, it or gets white a men, little, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not exactly, it's not representative. Yeah. I, I have a lot of friends who do a great job at, at representing other cultures. They are white as well and, and they give credit where it's due. And uh, I, I just hope that because there've been so many call outs in the past year that, things will actually move forward in that way and we can appreciate when other people when anyone is making anything if they are acknowledging and crediting the culture which exactly they should yeah yeah and it, frankly it's a simple solution i, exactly. I think in that way that's it's what's not that so hard. like insane to me because why is your pride and ego so big that you're gonna pretend you're gonna take credit for hundreds thousands of years of a a recipe that a culture somewhere else has been working on. That's why I'm like, why is your ego so big? Like you can do a great job and add your own spin to it, but they did it better. They, yeah. they figured yeah. this out. Like they, people, yeah. People just like, people like attention I and know. attention comes with credit I, and it's the credit attention. for the, that's what I'm saying. I know, it's I know very, it's, it is, to me, it's a self-explanatory thing. I know. I recognize, though, and obviously it's wrong. I recognize that to a lot of people, apparently it's not. Uh, so yeah. the only way you do it is you talk about it and say, don't do that. And hopefully some people listen over time. And we have conversations like this. Yes. And hopefully people yeah. will hear us. Please credit whoever exactly. makes the food. That's the You yeah. know what, though? That's also one of the coolest parts. Because, like, with food, we're eating some of the same shit. Like, that's great. That was great. 3,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking like a smoked meat. I'm talking like, you know, you look at things like pasta even. Oh. Simple, right? Yeah. But I've been growing that bread. shit forever. Bread. Bread is like a killer for me. I know. I'll just eat <laughs> all of it, you know? Wait, have you been to Tuscany? I mean, Florence? I was, yes. Tuscan bread, though. Did you have that? Yes. And no salt. That was the only I bread I wasn't that. like super in love with. I Still ate it. I don't, I mean, I probably- no salt. I it, probably a made a comment reason. then, but I don't remember any of that. <laughs> I ate everything around that country, so. <laughs> yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, there was bread yeah. on every table, so I know yeah. I had Tuscan bread when I was there. Yeah, you but. definitely did. There's like a whole historical reason behind it, some like feud over the salt. Yeah, but they have no salt in their bread. This is the one bread. I'm like, oh, no. Mm. Yeah. What's your favorite country of origin food? Oh, my God. <laughs> It's a hard question. It's very difficult. Yeah. I lo I love to explore everything. I did study abroad in Hong Kong and I studied cuisine there and it was 
so eclectic, so eye-opening and inspirational. I've always been inspired by Asian cuisine. You studied abroad in Hong Kong. I did. It was a month. But um, still, that's very cool. I know. I got. I kind of like snuck into this graduate program, and yeah. they, they. I was like, I got accepted, and I was like, I'm an undergrad, and they were like, Okay, fine, just like you can come with us. Because <laughs> I, you know what, I was so, and I would still say I am. Like I'm so underinformed on. I at least know the basics now, but it's such a bizarre situation that I wasn't even aware of until a couple years ago, where yeah. it's like they're their own country, but they're not their own country. But the, it's it's bizarre. Yeah, I mean, when I went, things were smooth. Like there were mm. no issues like there are today with everything. Um, but yes, what they've been going through lately is very. It's crazy. It's it's real. But yeah, it's, it's it's a human rights issue. Yes, absolutely. Hong Kong when I was there was it was a beautiful, diverse accepting eclectic place and yeah to see them challenged and like put in this position is very difficult and how big is hong kong oh i don't know is it it's an island right <laughs> i, I should think, know i think so i can't look it up I don't i'll my phone. look at it on the map yeah but... it uh it i don't know how big it is like people in the millions though oh i think so it's yeah. a major city yeah yeah because it, it's got the major city, city yeah it's got to have like it's got it. The cities over there are like, they're all the size of Manhattan, population wise. Yeah, it, a very, very, very big city, and um, the food scene was cool. What's the like? What are the major differences with Hong Kong food versus traditional Chinese food? So there really is no traditional Chinese food. Um, it's regional, so it changes. So you have. Shanghai, right? You have Beijing. You have different. I, I don't know all the cities, um, but Hong Kong is Cantonese cuisine. So the way that they do a pork bun is different than you might find a somewhere what? else. A pork bun. Oh my god. Okay, pork, pork. bun. Yeah. A pork I thought bun. I thought you said something. Look else. up a Cantonese yeah. pork bun. Cantonese pork bun. What? Oh, there's Sichuan cuisine. Sorry, I was like, I'm blanking on something. I'm... There's a lot of different Chinese cuisine, and it depends on which region you're in. I mean, it makes sense. I'm such an ugly American with Asian food. What do you mean? Like, I'm so, when I tell you I'm misinformed on Asian food, it would give you a heart attack. A lot of people are, don't worry. Like, when I go with my buddies and, and they know what's up, like, I've been in a Chinese restaurant before. Your face will turn purple with all the actual chili you're eating if you get, like, Sichuan. I'm talking about before I eat anything. Oh. I'll be like, I've been in the restaurant, like, in a Chinese restaurant and been like, yo, where's the sushi? No! Yeah. Oh, God, sorry. Yeah, I'm, 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 no! I'm one of those. No. I'm, I'm no. like, I'm not great. Yeah, so the steamed pork buns are the Cantonese pork buns. This one right oh, no, here? No, to the right. I'll never forget. Okay, I'll put this I'll in the corner forget. so people I'll can I'll never look. forget when I had a pork bun in Hong Kong. Oh, this shit is fire. I've had this before. If you go to dim sum, Cantonese yes. style dim sum, it's lit. This is the best. We had it in that restaurant. I yeah. asked for sushi in. I swear to God. You asked for sushi at a dim sum place. I did. I need to fire you. I know. I know. This <laughs> I was, need to hire you was, and fire you right now. <laughs> this is in New York City. <gasps> no, like, oh, were you in yeah. Chinatown? No. No, but my buddies. And then you were doing it wrong to begin with. They're like, they're like, we're going to a dim sum restaurant. I'm like, what's that? They're like, oh, it's an Asian restaurant. They were explaining. I'm like, I'm like, okay. And then we got in there, and I'm like, where's the sushi? I'm just so glad I can be here and talk to you about this today. Yeah, (laughs) I told you. (laughs) Well, at least you you admit it. 
I have no, I was never like a huge, I was never, a, I like Most sushi. Most people aren't really told about all of this. I was never America. a connoisseur of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, a, you know, I'm an Italian food guy. That's what go. I like. There you go. So, yeah, you're in Italy. There you go. Yeah. yeah, this is so good though. And oh what's God. this? So this is just like pork bread and that's like the, what the hell is in that stuff? Pork. What? No, no. The bread itself. It's, uh, it's, it, it tastes it's rice, really good. I think it's a rice flour. Yeah. It's different. I've always tried to make them, but it's one of those Asian cuisine in general. It's worth ordering out unless it's a noodle dish. It's very simple, typically Americanized because that's what oh, I would due never to the ingredients try to make this. we have. Yeah, this is difficult. I mean, it is some noodle dishes you can make. Usually, tastes better when you get it out though. And why not support the restaurants? Agreed. Yeah. It's like, and also, it's their culture. Mm-hmm. Like I've never majority. Made... I mean, you got to make sure you're going to the right restaurant. That's true. Yeah. That's true. You can go to some Italian restaurants, yeah. not Italian. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. Yeah. So, th- so you were saying this stuff is big, and we were separating Hong Kong and China, and then you were saying China has well, regional foods. So well, this is can- Cantonese style. This is Cantonese. I wouldn't say Hong Kong's not a part of China. I would say like you just take the Chinese out of it. So you say Sichuan cuisine, Cantonese cuisine. Mm. I think it's Shanghai. Can you look up? Look them up. Look up the different cuisines of China. It's like America, right? You go to the South, there's Southern cuisine. Like you have a big presence of barbecue. And also geography plays. Yeah, Sichuan, Hunan, Cantonese. Fusion. Jiangsu. I'm going to fuck up all these. Jiangsu. I'm not, I don't want to butcher anything, but if anyone looks it up, it's really interesting. Yeah, Google Chinese because you regional think Chinese cuisines. food is one thing. Yeah. yeah. But there's all, di- and you know what? It's actually. It makes sense. It totally makes, because yeah. think about how big China is, number one. Absolutely. Huge. Yeah. And then think about like a very small country like Italy, which I am somewhat informed on as far mm-hmm. as it. Italy has like 25 also regions. regional. And they're different. Like there Absolutely, are some, yeah. there's certainly overlap, but there's like, you want dessert food? Go to Sicily. Don't go to Tuscany. I mean, it's still good in other places. Sicilian like, cannoli? Is that they have cannoli? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never oh, been yeah. to Sicily, but they're oh. red sauce. And then you go to oh, Positano, Amalfi, yeah. lemon butter. Yeah. And then Tuscany's, what is Tuscany known for? There's Florentine a, steak. Yep. Uh, Penzanella. Yep. Sorry, you're, you're <laughs> I'm gonna, very you're passionate. Gonna, you're gonna know this stuff better than me. That's why I'm asking no, no, you. No, no, no. But I remember, like, we'd go to places and they'd be like, "Oh, this is what you have here." It's like, all right, well, let's, let's try that. Yeah, when I went to Italy in 2019, I wish I did a little more research about Tuscan food because um, I just ordered pasta everywhere, and that's when I learned like I did it wrong. I have yeah. to go back now, but. Uh, I didn't have a Florentine steak, which was a big stupid move on my part. Well, you'll go back. Yeah, I just hope everyone's okay in Italy right now. What's going on in Italy? Well, just everyone with COVID, honestly. Oh, yeah. I just pray yeah. for everyone. It's, I mean, it was bad. So, you know, some of, some of the people I'm still friends with over there, like when it hit, they got hit like harder than we did. Yeah. Oh, oh it yeah, was, it was nuts. Like, yeah, they were like went. after China, really soon after. They were, I think they were the first major breakout. They were, they were about 11 days ahead of us in surge, mm-hmm. something like that. And it was just, it was so sad because you see all these historical, they're known for their cuisine, tourism, culture, and it's just 
I definitely cried for them because there was this concert. No one was there in the middle of Milan or Rome. Um, Andre Bocelli was there. He's a yeah, very, oh yeah. very oh, yeah. prominent. Yeah. yeah. And he just had this concert and no one was there and it was just him. That's so sad. And I watched it with my dad. And I'm crying. I cry all the time now. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's and you were still. By the way, this this is a good way to talk about this too because it just came up. Yeah. But first of all, I was shocked when you moved out of New York City. Oh, ah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, that was recent. Yeah, that was a recent development. Right, and so obviously you've for years now changed from just where you were starting like in college and right afterwards mm -hmm. NYC dining yes. and then you went to full dining very smart move by the thank way thank you it was a long process I'm sure because yeah. like you know you're and we could talk about that I'm sure because like there's a whole the New York City food scene is so complex it's I think it's the best in America mm -hmm. and you had an audience built through taking them through every angle of that city and all these different places and you were like the go-to and now suddenly it's like hey I'm still your go-to on food but I can I can do it anywhere. Mm -hmm. That's a big change. It was rebranding was a very well thought out process for me. I didn't take it lightly. Um, I so I did the restaurants. Let's see, for five years, five years, and I knew I'm not going to stay in New York forever. I just knew it. Like so, I'm, you were thinking about getting out. Oh yeah, I I I love New York. I absorb all the energy around me, and I tend to get very exhausted by constant everything yeah. happening. And I knew one day I wanted to leave. I am a city person, but New York is like the tippity top of the energy, the hustle mentality, the never stop, go, 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 sure. never sleep vibe. And it, I knew for myself personally, I wanted to leave at some point, but not for a while. I wanted to stay for at least, I thought like 10 years. So I, in 2017, I was like, I need to change my name to make it all encompassing because one day I'm going to get married and have kids and I'm going to, I love cooking and like, that's where I, I do want to end up. Uh, so I changed my name and I kept the same content and I dabbled some cooking in there and I kind of put myself through self-taught culinary school through my experiences at restaurants and by cooking at home and then pandemic, pandemic hit and really forced me to go full throttle into that. So it was like my silver lining in that time of doom was taking a chance on myself. I lost like tens of thousands of followers, but I gained even more when I finally started doing what I knew I, it was time for me Wait, to Wait, you do. lost followers moving? Oh, yeah. When I changed my name, I lost like 3,000. Not much. If you think about like large scale numbers, I had like 150 at the time. It's a punch in the gut, but it's like if you don't want to be here, fine. These are – I'm not going to force you to stay. Uh, and then when I started not doing restaurants anymore, I lost a lot. And then when I mentioned I'm leaving New York, I did lose a lot as well. But it just had to happen. All right. Before we get into the New York thing, yeah. quick sidebar mm -hmm. on the first part. Yeah. You – maybe I'm remembering this incorrectly, so correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me. But you were working in – like obviously at the very beginning when you were launching in college, it was pretty much restaurants and, mm -hmm. and getting the scene. But then if I remember correctly, like 2015, 2016, 2017 – the first one I remember was like the ballsy bites thing you did. Like you started working in all of your own stuff as well. Mm -hmm. So there was already a big piece of it, in my opinion, from what I could see, where, yes, you're doing restaurants, but you're doing this other stuff too. And you didn't lose followers doing that. I No, I didn't because I was giving – and this was part of the rebrand, which would take years, is you have to stick to your original angle sure. and work your new angle into it. 
And if people like it, great. They will stay when it changes, if it changes. And I was also figuring it out for myself. I also, we need to talk about Ballsy Bites and like my other stuff later because that was a whole business I was doing on the weekends and night shifts. It was crazy. That was separate. Oh, yeah. But you're not doing that. All right. We'll 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 get to that. Let's let's stay with this. So you left. When did you move from New York to Philly? Like early this year? We moved in October. Okay. So it's almost been a year. Almost a year. We bought our first house. And Congrats. Thank you, my husband and I. It's a great spot, by the way. Well, thank you. It's a great, like, that's a beautiful location. Oh, yeah, right he by for a sec. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. We're really happy. It was just time. My husband was kind of the reason we were staying for so long because his job was fully New York. And, and he, what industry is he in? He's in real estate. So totally different from what you do. Oh, totally different. Okay. If he worked in food, we'd kill each other, I feel. <laughs> uh, so he finally got the green light to work remote. And we had signed a two and a half year lease a couple months before. Come we on. moved in January. Yeah. So we all stayed almost a year. We found new tenants. Uh, it, it was an, an ugly lease break. But yep, we left and we moved. Oh, wait, did I miss this? So you moved from New York to Philly in October, yeah. signed a lease in Philly, you're saying? No, no, no. We signed a lease in, in Long Island City. We just moved from the Upper East Side to Queens in January. We signed a two and a half year lease because oh, we thought January we were staying for- Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. We were staying, yeah. we thought we were staying for a long time and that like maybe after that lease was up, we would move. But then the pandemic hit right. and we wanted to leave. And breaking a lease in New York during the pandemic was bad. Real estate in general, scary. Right well, now. yeah. I mean, yeah. your husband saw that up close, I'm sure. Yeah. It was just, <laughs> yeah, mean, landlords get pretty vicious. And in a way, and not that I'm ever on the side of landlords because they are brutal most of the time. Sorry. I'm but, not, no, Sebastian's a landlord. He's a great I'm, I'm generalizing, but I'm sure your husband's great. But <laughs> there's, there's a lot, there are a lot of horror stories and I know they're anecdotal, but I hear them so often. And New York is crazy because- yeah. I mean, let's be honest, this whole pandemic now, not aside, we'll see how it adjusts. seems like it's adjusting back, but it's it's the highest demand neighborhood that and San Francisco was in the country. So they kind of can like they, you know, you don't want to pay this. No problem. I got 12 other people that will. Yeah, but so many people left. Runs were at an yep. all time low. Yep. Yeah. So now it's readjusted. But w- the way I'm saying like I would probably understand a bit is because the amount of money that you know the the margins are tight because it's so expensive Mm. the amount of money that they had to be losing with people leaving Mm. when their leases ended and like the fire sale rates i saw people lock in they were locking in like 40 percent rent number rates on stuff in you know july 2020 and just for reference the average one bedroom walk up like kitchenette not a real kitchen really no frills thing is three thousand dollars a month oh yeah that's average for oh yeah like not great no doorman, no amenities, no nothing. Uh, yeah, so it was very difficult to leave. I, I remember like looking at the rates when I was out. Of, I spent a lot of time in New York after after college. I lived in North Jersey, but I was in New York all the time. All my friends were there. A lot of business was there. And I remember I would just like have a habit of if if I was feeling – like I don't like to be too – prying but like if people were talking about it i'd be like you mind me asking you know what you pay here Uh, and i and they would always tell me and i'd be like get the fuck out yeah like sometimes people would tell me and i'm like damn that's not bad and they're like yeah but they pay the same yeah to two other people because you're splitting the entire (sighs) apartment it's usually by a room if you're if you have roommates it's crazy it 
is crazy. And now it's kind of back. It's back. Yeah. And we're lucky we found people to move into our apartment, which we got for a good deal for the same price. So we thought it was an amicable time to leave. Like we did our due diligence, but yeah, we. um, So you had to find those people. Yeah. Okay. We all like we offered. We just wanted to make it smooth, but it still wasn't a smooth process. Yeah. We. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. See, what I didn't know when you said all that, though, I, I didn't know. I would have never guessed this. Like, like when I thought Skylar, I'm like Skylar, New York City. Yeah, like that's what so it many is. People. And yet yeah. you were thinking about it for a while. Of eventually, I'm gonna a long time. I New York, I absolutely love it, and I'm inspired by it all the time. But it, I knew it wasn't the place for me to live long term mm. for so many reasons. Financially, like yeah. quality of life for me personally, I want a house. I'm gonna own a house, um, and it's. The hustle, go, 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 go mentality for me, it I absorb it and I get really exhausted. So I, I feel like it's a thing that happens, though, a lot with, you know, we want to like I'm like that. I do. like I'll admit I like that. I don't mind it at all. But a lot of my friends feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's something I used where, to love it. Exactly. You come out. I mean, you were there in college, too. So you mm-hmm. were there during prime, like having fun years as well. But like. You come out of college and you love it for a few years if you're in the middle of it. And then a lot of people are like, okay, I've done it. I'll live 30 minutes outside the city now. That's good. Yeah. You know, settle down. So I, I, I hear you. But were you guys – so you had signed a two-and-a-half-year lease. So you weren't thinking about doing it yet. But then the pandemic hits. And I guess it was just – It was time. Yeah, it was brutal. Why would we pay what we were paying for? Our, we had a two-bedroom because I was expensing for an office and a kitchen. Can you pull that mic in just oh, a little sorry. bit? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we had a two-bedroom and we were not leaving. <laughs> so and we, your and your kitchen needs to be your studio too. Yes. So that's like a... Yeah. And then Sebastian started working from home and we just, we called it. Yeah. And my sister-in-law is in Philadelphia. It's close to my family and we love it. It's That's the best awesome. thing we've done. And Philly's got a got a very underrated food scene too. Oh yeah. Any so, other city there are so many cities out there that have great food scenes and I just feel like they're all not noticed as much because they're not the hub, you know. Yeah, New York is just you know every culture is there. Mm-hmm. So it's natural. It's like, well, what are we gonna do tonight? We'll, yeah. We'll have grasshoppers in, in the Mexican <laughs> restaurant if we want to. Like I, it's yeah. it's wild. The diversity is what I love about New York. And so now, like a year in, everything you're doing, we said this earlier, but just to reiterate it, everything you're doing is now all in-house. You've moved totally away from the restaurant life, which, you know, as much as as sad as it is, also the pandemic took away that period. Like you couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I could do it now if I wanted to, but I've learned a lot about myself and I think as a business owner in the creative space, it's important to listen to what you like to do. And follow your your instinct and what you love, your creative passion, or else you're just going to half-ass everything. Um, so that is why I moved to cooking. I love it so much more. And I love to dine out and be inspired on my own terms. I think that the other thing that's not being said here, though, like we talk about the energy in New York, it also had to be such a – I mean in any city, period, but especially New York because it's like the hub. Like it had to be such a vibe killer. Being oh. there during all of the pandemic. New York during the pandemic was really depressing. It, Yeah, it's all about the energy. And when no one's outside, it's sad. 
It's solemn. It's just empty. I was there a week before the pandemic because I was in the city all the time. And like, we didn't know that was happening at the time. At least really? like pe- people were talking about it and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this isn't good. But when you went outside, like in New York, people were doing their thing. I'm talking yeah, until this it is- was called. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like it. I think March 11th was the day where sudden that was the day like the NBA shut down and then suddenly it was like, oh, and now people weren't going on subways. But right before that, like week, week and a half before, I'm standing in Grand Central and there's just it's Grand Central. There's 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 a million people running around mm-hmm. having a good time. And it was surreal to me because then I wasn't in New York again and I went back and visited in January and I no one oh, everyone it, left. It was so scary. I mean, it was sad because like people who live there, it's you're there because it's such a vibrant place and full of so many characters and everyone. I mean, there was homeless problems, obviously, like rents are unaffordable, you know where to live and people are sick and everything was just very sad. And scary. yeah, scary as well. And you can do what you do. I don't know about your husband, but I mean, real estate is everywhere, too. But you at least can do what you do from wherever you want. There's no... It's another reason I love the cooking aspect of everything. You really can do it anywhere and create anywhere. And yeah, you're not limited by your uh, location. And you're not just doing work for yourself either. As far as like you're you're creating all your content every day, like for you and things like that. And you're working brands into it because that's how you make money. Mm -hmm. But you're also... And you've been doing this a while, I think. Yeah. You were doing like the Snap Stories for Food Network yeah. like several years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then you're doing work with Amazon. Are you doing mm-hmm. any others as well? Or what, what's the full story there? Um, I consistently work with Amazon. I have something coming out with Food Network soon. And mm. I know. I'm so excited. And I, I've worked with Insider as well. Uh, Mashable. It, Yeah. I, I host. So I host segments about different recipes, different food products. And this is not a part of what I do for my blog. And is that all online content or do you do some of the stuff that is still on like the Food Network channel? So for the stuff I did with them, it was online and digital. I did help launch like new Snapchat stories with them. That's when Snapchat was a thing. (laughs) And um, some YouTube series. And uh, now it's for streaming. I think Mm. the recipes that I have coming out will be on streaming. So you you don't see Snapchat as a thing anymore? I don't. Oh, God, that's horrible. I don't use it. And that I'm so sorry about that to Snapchat. Listen, I'm apologizing to them because that's not nice of me to say. (laughs) Everyone got off it. But the user base. My cousins still use it. That's what I'm saying. Mm. The user base of 16 to 21 year olds is insane. Well, good for that. Like, I feel like you could do something there. With Snap again? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's when you work in this business, you have to pick your top five now True. it's a five True. like you have youtube you have uh tiktok instagram and a website it's top four for me i would say top three but with everything out there pick whatever is feasible and snapchat for me is just i can do the same on instagram stories and make True. my life easier true yeah do you get a lot of traffic like to your website i do i do that's awesome yeah it's nice it's because if anyone wants a recipe i Write the post and I include a recipe for them to print or just look at. So they have to hit the link in bio to go get it. Yeah. 
and they're That's lucky awesome. I'm writing. I think, yeah, sometimes it's a little frustrating if someone wants me to write the recipe somewhere, like on TikTok sometimes. I'll be like, get the recipe on my website. And everyone's like, I just want it here. And I'm like, I can't. It's a recipe. This is like a long drawn out recipe yeah, that I'm giving not. to you for free. So go to my bio. <laughs> I don't, there's too much detail in those. In like recipes? It's, it, for, for a lot oh. of the things you make. It's very exact and there's a lot of yeah. things that go into it. So writing, especially like even writing that out on the text of it, it would just be too messy. Yeah. And the, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I was going to say something. But TikTok's yeah. also like a way different, it's a way different animal than, it is. than Instagram. Yeah, it is. And I was Instagram only and now I'm trying to understand TikTok Still trying. You're good at TikTok, though. You know what's up. I'm getting there. You're it's, good. But like, you know how with Instagram, you were in there for years, just like boom, 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 yeah, studying that. That's kind of what I've done with TikTok. Yeah. Like, I spend a lot of time studying little things. It's like there are so many pages on TikTok that are right there, and like no mm -hmm. one's looking at them. But like one or two things, they'll move up. But like yours is growing now. Like yours, since I since you and I connected on there, yours is actually moving a little bit, which is good. Yeah, something that is very important in the social media business is to not take it personally if like your content doesn't do well on one platform. I my content doesn't do as well on TikTok, and I'm trying to still figure out how to make my edits better, make everything else better without losing my soul, like keeping it me and to do well there. But yeah, I can't want them all. It's you exhausting. Do, you, you do the Instagram reels though. Mm -hmm. How long are you allowed to do them? Are what you, do you mean? Are you time 60 limit? seconds time limit on those? You can do 60 seconds now. However, I think for highest engagement, shorter is always best. Yes, yes. If you could, if you could work that like – because it's, di it's different content, too. Like, you're working in other things. But on TikTok, they're trying to do this, like, three-minute thing on there. And they'll push some of that content. I like that for true crime and true crime only. That's three interesting. Minutes. Yeah, I know. I don't know if you do a three-minute thing. But I've watched yours if you did them. <laughs> I, I haven't. Be well, I think, yeah. I've, try I've tried quickly. Yeah, Doesn't I just, like, work. I wanted to end after a minute except for true crime. Doesn't work. True but crime give me eight hours. So, like, the actual case breakdown? Like that kind of stuff? I want everything. I love what true crime. What do you mean crime. everything? I just want to know everything. I want to know backstory of everyone involved in the true crime. I want to know where to... I want. To, I just I want to know everything. I love true crime. It's bad. It's That's like, way different than food. This is interesting. Oh, oh, do you know my hobbies? I'm like a weirdo. You didn't... All right, let's hear, let's hear the weirdo <laughs> hobbies. I love true crime. I'm also very into like spiritual things. Uh, that could mean a lot like of energy mm. i'm i love to read about the afterlife <laughs> i have problems we've <laughs> lost a lot of people in my family and i think that's why that comes up but i'm very interested in energy manifesting the law of attraction psychics mediums watching content about that mm -hmm. yeah you didn't see that coming did you it doesn't that doesn't surprise me true crime Probably surprises me. Really? A little bit, oh, I'm, it's so oh my god! Opposite. Sebastian will come home and I'll be chopping an onion, and he'll be listening. It's like their ears were cut off, their, <laughs> their throat was slit, and I'm like, "Hi, honey, you want some dinner?" No, <laughs> and I'll pass. There's nothing okay about like true crime is awful. It's not entertaining. It's it, I like I like to listen to it because I like to empathize and just understand. I don't know.
I'm fascinated by it. There's a little bit of a tie there between your two hobbies you just mentioned. Now. Like a little, like a little yeah. bit. Clearly, I'm an emotional weirdo. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I, I think I love for personally. I love true crime too. Mm-hmm. I don't have I don't have time to listen to podcasts these days, so I've never been like the true crime podcast guy. Yeah, but I was early I, um... on. Early on, I was like the true crime YouTube guy. Ah, like when that was for- I need oh, to get yeah. into that. That's my next. When yeah. I'm done all the episodes of Crime Junkie, I gotta. There's a lot I'm... of good stuff on there. Yeah, there's like even like bite sized stuff like six minutes going over a case it's like i think the connection would like morbid. what well <laughs> i mean some people would say that but like you mentioned you're into the afterlife probably because of your own experiences yeah. and losing people you love which is it's a wild thing to think about because yeah. we don't, none of us know Mm-mm. none of us know and you're trying to concept it and add meaning to life and then on like the true crime side you know obviously you hear about the things people do and you're like how's this even a person but that's like the thing. You're like, I know it's a person because people have a different. There's like, they're capable of great things and horrible things. Mm-hmm. And why is that? Yeah, I'm very interested in human psychology and how people think and how situations end up happening that are just so twisted. And I love to understand the story. I don't love it. I just I find it interesting. What's like some good true crime content that's like your go-to? I love to listen to Crime Junkie. It's a podcast. I've heard of it. And then I love the TikTok true crime. I don't even know a channel. It just pops up. Because my TikTok, my husband's TikTok is like dogs. Mine is like so depressing. It's like, it's sad. It's like about someone whose relative died. And like they sense them in hospice, like on the deathbed. It's it's sad. And then another one's like, this murder happened. And And my husband's like, can we just watch on my phone? I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing how much like you look at the data, the true crime interest is sky high in everything. I wonder why. I think it's some of the same thing. I think yeah. you're not a weirdo. I'm not alone. <laughs> no. I think everyone is interested, especially now. It's the psychology behind it for sure. Yes. Yeah, that has to be it. It's a meta thing though, too. Like because we're so digitized now mm. that it's almost like the farther apart we grow as human beings in a way the more interested we are in the extremes of what a human being can be you think so i mean i've just been interested in this literally since i was a kid my mom didn't monitor like what i watched on tv i'd watch unsolved mysteries when i was eight and hide in the closet i believe it (laughs) i'd be terrified so i don't yeah i'm wondering i guess i don't know why everyone else is into it either i mean some people may have the same kind of backstory with Mm, that but also there's a lot of weird yeah it is like i like that you're into psychology because there's a lot of like weird quote-unquote things that Mm -hmm. a lot of us do now as far as like interests things we like to look into Mm -hmm. that 20 years ago you'd say that to somebody and they'd look at you like you had 10 heads like what What? you're doing what because it was just this different world like we were almost like what we were like blissfully ignorant before the internet i agree it's because all of the networks had certain people controlling everything we absorbed and now we have the freedom to speak for ourselves it's such a gift and a curse though i agree i 100 percent agree i think it's more of a gift than a curse i'll agree with that yeah if the internet didn't exist when i was growing up i would have felt very trapped 
And mm. I would have felt like I will never be able to make my own dreams come true. I won't because my family's not going to pick up, move to New York or L.A. because I want to what take a chance. And like I wanted to be a TV host at the time. Like, is what that I, that's what you wanted to do growing I up? I always knew, and I always I actually used to joke about it in high school. Like I just want to like eat on TV. Like I used to say that. I don't know if anyone listened, but I said it. I remember saying it. And now you're doing it. And now I'm doing it. But I would have felt isolated and alone and just so trapped and like stuck in one place and in the corporate ladder if the internet wasn't here. I feel that so heavy. You have no idea. I know. Because look at you. I was in it. I mean. Yeah. You know. And it's not. It's not the. I'm sure sometimes it is. But it's like not the people. It's the idea. It's the whole, this is what you do, and then this is what you do next, and that's what it is. And guess what? For us, it is isolating because we want we have these passions we wanted to pursue. But on the other side, it's comforting, and it's what people love to do, and that's great. That's okay. But I love having the option for people like us who are creatively inclined to say, let's try to give ourselves that moment to advance our careers in a way that we never thought was possible you know what though i i have a i'm glad you put it that way because i have a a very what's the term i want to use here i really looked up to what you were doing and i didn't realize why i was looking up to it thanks because you were doing it literally in like college and then Doing it went right into it as your job, self-sustaining, building something, supporting yourself, getting clear progress, growing, doing all these things. And I remember because I was so not self-aware of so many things about my own self and my interests. No one is in the early 20s. Probably. I I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I wasn't. But I kind of thought I was. So in my head, and I never put two and two together, I'm like, oh, damn, she's doing something really cool. That's awesome. And like she's going to be famous from our high school. We, we got one. Great. Oh, that's nice. But <laughs> Thanks. I never put it like, wait, what am I doing? Do I? And, and it's not like I wanted to go out and talk about food. But as far as like doing things that are interesting where you got to be creatively inclined and you have to build it mm-hmm. yourself. And so you see an example of that. And then eventually, you know, I'm facing the corporate decision of like, oh, do I go to the next level? And now I've exposed myself to some stuff and now suddenly it like clicks and I'm like, God damn, I'm envious of the people who figured this out early. Because like even if you didn't, I'm sure there was like a lot of unknown for you. I won't, I'll let you explain that. But you were on the right zip code. You know what I mean? You were in, you got yourself to the zip code. A lot of us are in the wrong country. (laughs) I was in the wrong country. You know what's so crazy, though? Um, when I saw you pop... I saw you pop up on my TikTok. I didn't know you had a podcast until I saw you pop up. That was hilarious. I wasn't the, the least bit surprised. If you asked really? me what I thought you'd be doing in high school, I thought you would do something like sportscaster, radio. Like, you always had that kind of persona and energy to me. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, I I wasn't the least bit surprised. I did want to be a sportscaster did when you? I was growing up. Did you tell me that? Or no, did I just definitely not. Definitely not. We definitely weren't friends not. in high school. No, like it, it wasn't, I, that wasn't, I don't even think I told my friends no that. No way. Yeah. Oh, I, am I, I so good? Yeah. No, like 
I, I think like Barksdale and Avos and those guys, Nico, like they kind of assume that because I was so into sports. But it wasn't yeah. like I ever said out loud, I'm going to be on ESPN. No, but I, I thought you would be. I had kind of thought like, oh, that's what I'll do. Now, because the world changed, I would never want to do that medium of it. Mm-hmm. I would never. And I mean, maybe you can relate too. like, absolutely. There's so much freedom you have to be able to just create on the Internet. There's downsides with it. You know, you got to do more yourself or you got to build it, but you can just kind of go with it. And it's not like, for example, here, it's not, all right, Skylar, we're going to talk for 10 minutes about this and then we're going to cut to commercials. So make sure you're Mm -hmm. good five minutes in. It's a different beast when you do that. Yeah, because you don't have, well, hopefully you don't have like all the lawsuits waiting if your network says the wrong thing and it upsets this partner and this partner and this partner. Yeah. Have it like I, I worked at several. I don't know if you knew this. When I was in college, I worked at a lot of TV networks, and I under I got to learn a lot about that. There's so many moving parts. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and you learn a lot. Um. So, where where'd you work? I worked at CBS this morning, New York One News. Uh, I also worked at Hearst Magazines. Um, like uh, all the, it's like all the lifestyle magazines. Like William Randolph Hearst brand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, where else did I work? Oh, Entertainment Tonight, CNN. Oh shit! Wow. Yeah, CNN, and then a magazine. Oh, I worked somewhere else too. And this is all in college. All in college. I worked like every semester, and what's wild, all of the internships except for one were unpaid and the one that was paid was eight dollars an hour i believe that i know and nowadays like i used to think oh like interning for credit like that's why i could graduate early (laughs) but nowadays i would never hire someone unpaid like the landscape has changed substantially you also get what you pay for and things i know when people when people are not motivated to be doing something because they're literally getting nothing for their time even if they're getting like a credit, it's not it's not the same. Yeah. See, this is what's so crazy though because when I was growing up, I believed uh, it was an honor to be at these companies for nothing. And I mm. need to prove myself. I need I'm worth nothing and I need to show them I am worth something cuz I don't know anyone. I, I don't know anyone on the team. I I have no easy way in. Like I will work for zero just to be mm. seen. I have to hustle. And nowadays the dialogue has totally changed and it's great that students are understanding they are worth something. And when I I don't know about you, but when I was in college, if you're in the creative field, you're told like Yeah. I wasn't in any of that. Like, yeah. So I don't know anything, yeah. you know. Yeah, you're told you're lucky to even be standing there and getting someone coffee. And that is drilled into your head. Like, you're kind of worthless until you make it at the network. And And usually people who make it, I mean, I don't know, can't speak. But a lot of people I knew that were getting internships at places that were very coveted would know someone on the other side of things. It is a world of who you know. Yeah, and I didn't know anyone from Delaware. Who do I know? And I went to NYU with all these kids from L.A. and New York. Did NYU have pretty good good connects, though, I would imagine? It did, but like when your classmates are very well connected. True, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not. There's nothing against that. You take what you get in this Absolutely. life, right? Uh, I'm lucky I even got to go to college, and that is a privilege. Um, but yeah, in my position, I was just like, I don't know anyone. I'm never gonna make it. That's why the internet was such a blessing yeah. to me. It's crazy though that that wasn't that long ago. But I know. God damn, was it different? Like, I know. Like your experience, what you would understand today, and I've never been inside there, so I I can't say for sure, but. 
I'd be willing to bet my bank account, whatever's in it, that <laughs> if you went in there today, your experience would be monumentally different for probably a lot of the wrong reasons than it was in like 2012, 2013. I mean, I hope it's for the right reasons. I hope these networks are diversifying. And if, if I wasn't getting an internship because they were bringing in people who from different backgrounds who needed this opportunity more than me, I would be so great with that. But it wasn't the case when I was there. And I'm really hoping it's the case now. I have I have a feeling things are moving forward. I do feel and like people are being paid now. The interns are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From so even at even at that level. But yeah, you were you were saying really early on in here about maybe it wasn't even on the podcast, but you were talking about how Oh, I know what it was. It was like with the chefs and stuff because people hate sometimes when mm. someone breaks in through the internet or whatever. And so even though you did like the internships and stuff like that, you did break in building yourself mm-hmm. and doing whatever. But I do think, and I sense this a lot, I try to put myself in other people's shoes, like looking what I'm doing here even, where you have people who went to school for this. Mm-hmm went out and worked up the ranks of like a major network or something like that. And now you see the internet is disrupted so much, which is what happens in life. Certain mediums disrupt other ones and the game changes. Right. But it's, while I have no doubt there are some people who just don't have a ton of talent doing that stuff, there are a lot of people who are, let's just say like in TV, in like traditional network journalism, who are so talented. Absolutely. And now are like, they're locked out because mm-hmm. they didn't build yes. on their own. Mm-hmm. And now like other people who were doing that, I understand. I'm not, I'm not someone to ever express bitterness. Like I just, oh, I, I, understand I root it for too. people, but I get where they're, where that emotion 100%. comes from. I always understand. So there was this one instance with me cause I get it. Like if anyone, like I always felt like I'm trapped, like I'm never going to be noticed and I, I'm trying so hard. I'm working so hard. And that's what these people feel. Everyone feels it. So there was this one experience I had recently, this um, male chef who is super talented and just very talented. I looked at his page, really very talented guy. He left a comment on one of my videos saying you're a fraud and, and or something. But it was like a another word for fraud, some like slang term. I don't know. And cap. Wait, no. So this is a cap. Um, cap? like cap. Really? I don't know. Maybe. I'm going to educate you on something. I don't know anything. But I looked it up and I was like, why would he say this? And I messaged him because I'm like, I can understand where, like, why he might feel upset. He's like a real chef. So I messaged him. And in a nutshell, I said, hi. I side messaged. So this wasn't public. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But basically, I was like, your comment was pretty hurtful and very unnecessary. Not that I need to justify this. I've been doing this for 10 years, and I'm really proud of the fact I was featured on this publication. Um, I really appreciate your work, and I think you are extremely talented. It's great, and I hope you have a great Super Bowl Sunday. I hope you can understand where I'm coming from. This was Super Bowl. <laughs> that was so nice how you yeah. handled that. Um, <laughs> wait, <laughs> let, me, let me read you. Did he, he came back. I'm gonna. I, I don't want to be annoying and like oh, read I'm all in. this. Tea. I'm, in, I'm in for the tea. I'm and here. I, I said, um, I'm sorry, I gotta find it. <laughs> Give me one second. So, this was like a full blown oh. conversation. Yeah. And then, oh, I said, what I love about cooking is that it's accessible to 
everyone, almost everyone. No one person who cooks, trained or not, is better than the other. All of us are fortunate and privileged enough to have access to food, can be an exceptional cook. That's why food is a universal language. Um, that's why we all love culinary arts in the first place. I hope we can connect over that. He goes, cool story. I have no feelings on this matter. Simply pointing out an obvious fact. <laughs> I go, that's really sad. And um, he's like, it's absolute fact. People are better than others. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. Maybe, like it's some things. But when you're, a home, when you're cooking in the home kitchen, which was the content I was putting out there, there are no rules in your own kitchen. I'm not feeding him. I'm feeding mm. me. And I think it's great. If you want to slice an onion in a certain way for yourself, I don't give a shit. So I was like, I hope you can be accepting that there is more than enough to go around. I think your work is incredible. You're super talented. And he goes, is, he goes, like the countless chefs who spend their lives working and killing themselves, completely understand that, while uppity white women with no expertise oh. fake it to the top. Spare Ugh. me. I'm not worried about there being enough to go around. I'm worried about the parasites who have done irreparable damage to the world of food. You don't want to have this conversation with me. And then he proceeded to call me a bored housewife. I've been, do I, I've been in my business for 10 years. I'm not a bored housewife. Well, he's just showing his ass. Yeah. He's just, and, he's a lost cause. And, but this is someone I messaged because I really understood where he was coming from. I get it. He worked his ass off yeah. and so many chefs, oh my God, I can't even begin to empathize how hard they work. And same with people on TV and these traditional mediums, like they are working so hard. But just because anyone who's new comes in in a different way, it doesn't make them the bad one. It's called an opportunity. If you have an opportunity, you're going to take it. If this guy who's now on a network TV. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, okay. Yeah. If Why does he need to be bitter then? Well, his, his following's not big, and I, I think he's just upset with this situation. I don't know. And I don't know at all, but if he had the opportunity, he would have done it. And it's like you said, maybe it's people being upset they didn't take the opportunity. I get upset I didn't take the opportunity to be on TikTok when they approached me a long time ago. I didn't do it. I had too much work on my plate. They approached me to like be one of their new creators and I just like didn't respond. I regret that. But when am was, I mad? When was that? Like 2018. Holy yeah. shit. And, no, and you know what? Like that's my fault. And am I bitter towards people who, who have become overnight sensations? Overnight meaning like put yeah, lots yes. of work into it. Yes, yeah. On TikTok? No. That, good for you. That's awesome. That's, you know? that's good that you have that attitude. Well, everyone really should. You know what? People did. You're not alone. People didn't see it. I, yeah. I was on TikTok. When I say on, I worked at a corporate job. I didn't have an account. I was on there. I was very, I did side LLC. So I was very, this is when I was turning over being very interested in content. I was on TikTok early in 2019. Yeah. And I remember seeing it and I was like, holy shit. Mm -hmm. And I called up everyone I knew, like in that 20 to 22 age bracket who had a talent. And I said, stop everything you're doing and go there. And none of them did. It's because TikTok then caught, like the pandemic really helped TikTok. Mm -hmm. It caught and it went and it's whatever. I do think they had a perfect app. However, most people, you can literally go look at the biggest celebrities. They might have like 10 followers on TikTok because they, no. didn't, they didn't get on it on some of them, you know? No, a lot of big celebrities will pop up and everyone's going to follow. But like creators who are saying, follow me on this app now. Right. New apps are exhausting. Yep. And now I love TikTok, right? And uh, yeah, do I regret it? For sure. But 
What, am I going to boo-hoo about it all day? No. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that definitely comes across with all this is that you have such an appreciation for all the different people across your niche. You know, not just exactly what you do, but the the chefs and, and the people that work in it. And it's 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 frustrating and it's relatable to anything in life where you take the time to have such a good empathy for even someone like that chef you were just reading the text on and where he comes from. And then even after doing that and being nice and handling it and demonstrating it, you know, there's still just complete kind of shutdown coming back. And like a part of me is, of course you feel bad because he feels like he's worked so hard as you said, and he's not getting the results he should, but you know, when people are being good people, I, I just, I will never understand not having a sense of, I mean, we say empathy, but like just basic humanity in that situation. Like clearly you demonstrated you're not just some idiot behind a camera doing something like you worked your ass off at this. He should be able to see that you're nice enough to address his concerns. And then he still, he still treats you like that. It's, I don't know. That annoys me. Yeah. It annoys me too. At the end of the day, though, I, I and a lot of people are like, why do you even take the time of day to talk to someone like that? And I always will make the time because I, if I can help one person understand a new perspective and educate them in any way and instead of fighting, have a conversation where we can understand each other, I will take those conversations. And I always do. And like, sure, if you think it's a waste of time, okay. But isn't the whole point of having such a diverse community on the internet to educate one another and expand our horizons? So that's that's why. Like, yeah, it annoys me, but at least I tried to show one one guy who thinks he's better than someone like me that, you know, like no one's really better than anyone else. And it doesn't matter. Like you work super hard. That doesn't mean you're better than someone else who works super hard in a different way and also the the market is the arbiter of truth it doesn't it doesn't mean that you can't like if you haven't worked yet like if you haven't blown up you're not gonna like if you're good eventually you probably will but the market responds to what it likes mm -hmm. so if people like what you do then that's that's judged as a value in society regardless of how you do it mm -hmm. now are there people who take advantage of that and do things that are not positive to get attention absolutely absolutely but i'm saying like it just surprises me when people are adding value mm -hmm. you know because like in what i do here the value i add is like we entertain right it's mm -hmm. a form of entertainment but it's it's pure entertainment what i don't give people and what i guess some of my guests sometimes do depending on their expertise what i don't give people is actual things that they then go in and practice themselves right so you're giving people you're making up recipes. You're, you're giving them ideas for food. You are doing the work for them. You're providing value. So Thank if you. people see that as, oh my God, Skylar's got all these great ideas. I would have never thought of this. Now I can go do it myself. You've improved something that they're interested in. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I, what's, yeah, that's a really nice way to put it. I'm trying. <laughs> well, I think that's, I think that's, I probably wouldn't have said this before I did content myself, but I think that's how, if we were going to do it at the macro level, mm -hmm. that's how content breaks down. When you look at creators and success of creators, mm -hmm. someone like a David Dobrik is an entertainer. Mr. Beast, he's an entertainer. Mm -hmm. They they make 
these amazing videos online that people enjoy watching. Even the Kardashians are entertainers. Exactly. Whereas someone like my friend Johnny Drinks, someone Mm -hmm. like you, people like I know with John, when he, it's the same thing you would deal with when he puts up all these different drinks to make. It's not only he can, it's short enough that he can put the things that go into it there. So he can put that on there, but they also show you how they make it just like you do with food. Yeah. So people go, oh my God, I got a 60 second video to make this drink this weekend when I'm out Yeah. or, or when I'm hosting people and they can do it. Yeah. What I like to think of for any culinary drink lifestyle creators who are providing something for people to take home and do at home, it's it's like a smaller scale magazine, smaller scale network and um it's entertainment but just provided differently yeah i guess like that's that's a good way to put it like when i worked at a magazine it's very similar you have different editors focusing on different things providing different stories different recipes different ideas for people to do at home and and that's really what you're doing as a content creator with a blog you write the recipe the blog behind it and then you post the video of it. You're just providing that in a different way. And not to turn it around, but let's turn it around. I like saying that. <laughs> I just turn it on and die. But I, I keep on remembering. It just came in my head when you were saying that because we've mentioned it a couple times today. But you were saying like back when you were doing the ballsy bites. Oh, yeah. First of all, tell people what that is. And secondly, <laughs> that you were saying that was its own separate business. Mm-hmm. So you had that as like that was a different platform. Yeah. There's a lot that I've done. And for anyone who's looking to start a business in this space or any space at all, like what you learn the most from is mistakes. If you're not making mistakes, you're not. Mm. You're literally sitting and doing nothing. Um, So I've made a lot of mistakes running my own business. Yes, I had this blog. I was doing it full time. And I really – I developed a a product called Ballsy Bites. It was these rainbow tie-dye cake balls. I put myself through self-taught pastry school by reading a textbook at home. I taught myself how to bake. And it took me a year to develop the recipe. And I really wanted to create a product. I was like, not only will this be great to establish some credibility, (laughs) which a lot of people don't even realize. Like, no one gives me credit for it. (laughs) But um, I love this product and I want to do this. I want to learn something new. So instead of making this, which running a baking business is a full-time job, I made it a side job. I... I developed the recipe, and with this, there's there comes a lot of things. You have to get packaging. You have to learn how – you have to get your food handler's license, so you have to understand the hygienic rules that goes into operating a kitchen. You have to rent the kitchen. You have to pay insurance You have for safety of yourself. Um, you have in, to rent the kitchen. Mm-hmm, which is so expensive in New York. You have to rent a commercial kitchen. So I cannot develop a product in my home kitchen because it's unsanitary. Mm. There are some rules around it, but I was melting chocolate and that did not meet code. So I had to go rent a kitchen. So what I did – Who legislates that, by the way? Uh, state of New York. I think it's okay. state by state. So okay. it's um, a cottage rule, I think. So – that's probably like a 15-page code, just, <laughs> just that one. It's a big deal, yeah. I mean, it would save so many business owners money, but yeah. that's a side note. Um, yeah, so I really wanted to launch this brand, and I went through all the steps. It took me about a year, and I instead of going to these commercial kitchens, I really hustled and approached bakeries that were closed on weekends, and I asked, like, do you want to make a little extra money? I can rent your space this like over the weekends. And I'll pay you X. And I got it for like a third of the cost of what a commercial kitchen would be. 
So I started this business on the weekends. I was working five days a week, and then I was working twice over the weekend, and I would bake these rainbow tie-dye cake balls, package them, take orders online, hand-deliver them, and ship them all myself. And I didn't realize Wait, how- Wait, you would hand-deliver from orders online? I, I, my first time, I, I did. I did because I I would like go around the city with them, but then it became too much. I was like, "What am I doing?" Oh, so it was only people in the city ordering. At, at first, okay. that was so. Like at first, I was hand delivering, and then I started shipping nationwide. It was such a journey figuring out how to start a food product, and it lasted for like two years. I then switched from weekends to night shift, so I would work from nine p.m. to seven a.m. And that would be three days a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was a side business. But I that I was doing that at the time where TikTok came out. And that's why I was like, I had no, right. I, I didn't have time. Uh, so that's one business fail I had. It, it made money. Minimal. Minimal money. Just wasn't worth the time. No. And the product is amazing. I want to bring it back. But I'm so glad I made that mistake and like totally... Learn. I learned everything about how to ha- have your own food product uh, and create something awesome. Did you have to learn? I, I don't know how this all works. If it's like different across different types of food or like when people are expected to eat it based on when they order it. But did you have to work in like preservatives and stuff like that? Mm-mm. None. No. So it would stay fresh. Yeah. Every week I would take orders and, and prepare those orders the night before they would go out. They were all wow. fresh. I know. Yeah. That's a tough turn. I'm 23 yeah. thinking like, oh, I used to go out really late. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'll just like, I didn't have time for friends. I had time for nothing. And that's another thing I've learned through all of this. It's like, if you don't have time for anything that you really, I don't know. I, I mean, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to work my ass off. But you're not really succeeding if you're burning yourself out. Right. That's the number one thing I've learned. Um so that was mistake number one. I'm going to tell you about mistake number two. You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you about Let's it. Let's go. <laughs> so I started a media company in 2019. Did you know this? Maybe, but it's not ringing a bell. So I definitely saw a post somewhere yeah. along the way where you said it, but I don't remember details or what it was. This is a total fucking fail. So I started in 2019. My idea was to do marketing, Instagram marketing for other companies. I had two clients. One of them was a very well-paying, high-priority startup. And I had to hire someone. And we were on like the shortest timeline ever. I had to hire my first employee. I had to reincorporate as like instead of an LLC and S Corp. Very complicated. Was I, this for food only or? No. This, oh, was wow. an, this was also another thing. And my own social media brand would technically have been a client of that media company. Mm, got it. Yeah. So I was like, I'm good at social media. Like maybe I can make some extra money. I can hire someone and delegate. Like it won't be as time consuming as I'm thinking. I mean – the client was extraordinarily <laughs> demanding. And um, I hired my first employee. I had to do it really quickly. So I, a lot of moving parts happened so fast. And I started this business once again, but I didn't think it through. I really committed and it was horrible. Like I never want to start a business again. It made money. That made money, but it was bad and that's when i realized this was before 2020 it literally Mm -hmm. i literally dissolved that company in september of 2019 Mm. and um after that is when i finally committed to what i love doing i know you didn't ask me that but i feel like it's important if anyone 
does get into a field that they love and they see like, oh, I'm good at this. I'm good at that. Try it. If you suck, always have a backup. And if you fail, that's a great thing because you can learn more about what you do like to do. Provided you learn from it. Yes, Absolutely. exactly. Every failure is a learning opportunity. Exactly. Because there's people now who kind of bastardize that because it is so important. But people will bastardize it and they'll kind of they'll make the excuse of failing ahead of doing it because they're not going to do anything different. They're just going to be like, well, if I try enough times, it'll work. And it's mm. like, no, y- you need to adjust. Mm-hmm. And like, it's clear you changed actions as each of these things happen. I learned about myself. I learned like, you know, why have I never really believed that I could actually cook full time? Every time I was running my blog, I was doing the restaurants and the cooking. I never let myself fully cook. And um, then I had ballsy bites on the side, and that was just, like, fun. (laughs) Then I had the media company because I was so scared to fully commit to this new brand change. Um, I don't know. I was just scared. (laughs) What? Going – are you talking about going Going from from restaurants to cooking. I was scared, and I started the media company on the side, and it was stupid. It's – I learned the most. It's time. It's And you were hitting on that with, like, the balance in life. But, Mm. like – I think the other – I don't know if you said this, but I'll have this takeaway and then tell me if I'm wrong. But it's also you have to – you kind of have to make a choice. Where are my priorities? And the the farther you spread yourself thin, the more problems you're going to run into. If you are – and there, look, I don't know how Elon Musk does it, running six companies. He has help. He, oh, he has a lot of help. <laughs> exactly. But still. Yeah, I know. Still. Yeah, I don't know how they do it either. You know, but he's also, you know, the one, there's one Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. You know, th- I'm not saying there can't be someone who ends up having that ability, but A, he took many years to get there, right? And B, he's Elon Musk. So now look at all of us, which is pretty much any other human being alive. We're not that. And you start to realize, like, I even think about it with this. If I had to run a business on the side of this, this would never work. Yeah. Because it's it's also like creative work too. Mm-hmm. You need you know how it is. You got to when when you're doing when you're making something, you're not just making it. You're like how does this look? What no. am I doing? It's a full thing. A full day's work. Something I really have learned. When I was getting into business, this idea of the girl boss was glamorized. I don't know, have you heard about a girl boss before? Girl boss. I mean, it's like, the name of a book, but there's this overarching idea that a woman as a CEO needs to be stone cold, have no time for family, and needs to be like some like not nice to people, and it's work, 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 nothing else work. And like I believed like that's what I need to be, and I started my media company. I was like, I need to be this way, and I quickly learned like we need to stop glamorizing. This idea of being a CEO, meaning you treat people like dirt, you nickel and dime them, and you try and it's all about money, it's all about work, and that you don't prioritize family. Like this idea that a CEO is just obsessed with work and nothing else needs to change, it does. And what's a healthy company is when someone's prioritizing. And your employees will only be happy if you're allowing them to prioritize what they want on the side. And as a CEO, you're not going to be happy if you're not prioritizing your own needs. You're human. This, yeah, this idea of this, especially female CEOs, it just because it's such a contrast from like what women have been made out to be 
which is in the 50s, it's like housewife, soft. And now it's like girl power, absolutely. I'm a feminist. But you, any CEO needs to like be a human being. Yeah, that's like, that's like putting the expectation that you should be like nasty. And yeah. I think you said cutthroat. Like I, I don't care if you're a, a male or a female. If, if you're running a company, CEO, founder, whatever it is, I don't know why this isn't common sense to people, but it's mm. not. If you don't show a basic level of like understanding for the people that work for you, how are you going to expect them to be in a good mood working mm. for you? Even if they got to work really hard, mm. like if it's a crazy, you know, industry or something, they should probably be pretty motivated to be in a good mood to do it. Yep. And yet people still to this day, I mean, the amount of resources that are available to study this, if you're not naturally like it, but people, the lack of emotional intelligence and the fact that you felt that that was a stereotype, which which I believe, I'm sure maybe it was. I just never I mean, really looked seen, at like, that. Have you seen like Devil Wears Prada? Like a lot of movies of course, will yes. showcase women in business as being like, I have no time for my love life. I have no time for this. I'm just, I only care about work. I only care about work. And in reality, how going through all these business fails and like changes, ebbs and flows has taught me the the best success is treating your people well, building a strong team, and making sure you are always satisfied with what you do. And you cannot be satisfied in a state of burnout. And in a state of treating people like shit. I don't care I mean, who you are. No, I know. Like, and burn, like, that, yeah, they, go, they like, go hand in hand. Yeah. yeah you absolutely. just – and yeah. That that's why being a CEO and like managing people, it was too much. And there's nothing wrong with me saying this. It was too much emotionally for me because I really care about who I work with. And I, I just changed the way I did my business because I just wanted to become friends with who I worked with. And I needed to work with experts instead of hiring people. Here's the other thing though. It's not like if you see... And I can't say this about all businesses, but let's just take a more of a stereotype business, like any kind of industry that's just making a product or something like that. When you see the CEO on TV, male, female, whatever, mm -hmm. they're they're the executive. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're organizing. They're they're learning where to properly delegate, overall manager, yep. figuring out the finances with the people who work for them. I do think it's a lot different when you are doing something in an industry. Where you are the product. Yeah, absolutely. And you are creating yes. the, with, I mean, literally, like with your hands and, and everything. Like, that's <laughs> what you do. Yeah. And guess what? If you don't have a good product, if you're not on there being entertaining and coming up with wild, cool shit that people want to get value from, then you have nothing to manage because you're not, you're not going to have a business. Yeah. So it's like, like, I can't imagine doing something like this and having to be the CEO of something. That sends a shiver up my spine because I, <laughs> I'll tell you straight up, I'm a human being. I don't have time for that. It's managing people is sometimes more difficult than the job itself. And I, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to manage people and to outsource experts for work. Like I've learned that like having an employee wasn't really what I wanted. Because God forbid something goes wrong. The panda, my company dissolved before the pandemic. So thank God. That And it was a mutual thing. But if I had to let someone go under that circumstance, uh, yeah. I am – I I couldn't. I'm too emotionally involved and that's just who I am as a human. And I'm a human doing business. There's nothing wrong with understanding your strengths and your weaknesses. 
I mean, it's it's a painful thing to. I, I don't want to say this wrong, but I mean, I never want to see that again. What we saw with the pandemic and what businesses had to mm. go through, mm-hmm. but from like a from an emotional standpoint the appreciation I had for so many, I mean, you saw it all over the internet, all over the news for so many business owners who sometimes in certain industries can get a bad rap just by generalizing. But you see these people bawling their eyes out over their employees and the idea that they can't work for them and stuff. And I appreciated that so much because you saw the people who really cared. It wasn't just Mm -hmm. about like, oh, I have this business, I'm making money. Mm -hmm. Of course, you want to support yourself. But these people genuinely were in tears over the fact that I have to let go so-and-so because I literally have no money to pay her. Mm -hmm. And that's how she supports herself. Yeah. Yep. It's like, what's the future of my business? How am like, I'm hurting this person's entire livelihood. Where are they going to live? Like, how will they get medical help? They don't have insurance anymore. There are so many layers to having a company and it all needs to be extremely well thought out. I didn't think through it and like my experience was great like it was it was great it was a profitable business i would i don't regret it i just learned so much about myself and luckily it was a mutual thing it ended but yeah it was difficult yeah and, and well now you're not doing it again i and know that's, that, <laughs> like that's that's it yeah. that's what you had to learn and, yeah. and it's not like you lost money on it so it's not like a total loss it's just all right that wasn't worth my time my stress or mm-hmm what I wanted and and that's it. Yeah. But the other point of, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I guess I did it because I was scared to fully commit to the cooking, the new angle of my brand. I was really scared. And if anyone wants to take that kind of risk, it is great to have a backup, but make it a backup. Don't make it a full-time job. Like work a nine to five and then on nights and weekends, do your passion and go hundred percent for it when you feel confident. Don't start your own business on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's also – it's a resource question. Like people will get – like I think I got lucky with time and place. Like what – the fact that the world shut down and I had the time to go build something like this and get it started and get it moving. I think a lot of people, you know, whether it be carrying around ridiculous student debt or something like that, I get it like when they can't. They can't just leave their job. You cannot. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and then building, it depends what mm-hmm. it is. Absolutely. But like building something on the side, God damn, is it, are you at a disadvantage? Because there's only so many hours in the day. It takes years. I mean, that's what I did. And it, it takes years. So yeah, it is like, well, how, you figure it out. And you work through it and you figure out what works if you only dedicate one Sunday a week to whatever it is you want to do on the side. There is still growth that can happen every Sunday of the year. That doesn't mean you're not like you're not going to have dinner with your family. Right. Doesn't mean you won't have time to make time for the important things. But there's always a little bit of time, and you can make it happen. And and I know everyone. I would say the people who are working multiple jobs. That is where yeah, it like gets. Yeah, that is impossible. I'm talking about corporate America nine to five. And then beyond that, like the hustler hustlers. <sighs> yeah. But still, I do believe someone working multiple jobs, that is a hungry person oh, yeah. in itself. And if they, that quality in that human being who is just grinding, 
if they had something and they felt like they could put a little bit of time into it, I feel like they would. But once again, I, I have no place to say that because I had the privilege of being able to build my brand for four years and feel okay about it. Well, and you were smart to do it in college too. You know, there, I mean, there I had the privilege to go to college too. Yeah, yeah. And there was, there was, I think there's a degree of less life responsibility when you're in there and some extra freed up time that frankly, very few people use and leverage. Mm. So I, I think that was really good that you did that because who knows if you hadn't done that, the chances of you just like living in New York and deciding day one to go off on your own, it was probably a lot lower. You know, if oh, you yeah. graduated college, it's like you're probably not going to jump right into that. I used to worship TV networks. Like I wanted more than anything to go to a network and to work there. Mm. And then I realized and I took a risk. Like I started playing with social media and I completely changed my mind. Even to this day, it is a goal of mine to have a show, but it's like not as much as a priority. I would love the help. Like, I don't want it to just be me producing anymore. I don't really care where the the show would live. But I used to want to just be at a network. I used to worship that. That, first of all, I think that's going to happen for you. Oh, thank you. And secondly, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to, well, yeah, you love manifestation. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> but you're also going to do it, but you're going to do it online. It's going to be through. Yep. Something major on, I mean, the dream would be that like you got so big, you just do it for like Skylar, Skylar Bouchard Oppenheim TV or yeah, something literally like that'd be amazing. YouTube. Exactly. This exactly. But <laughs> yeah. it may, don't no, manifest the wrong thing. Now I know. See, there the you go. Thing. You believe in it. <laughs> but either way, like even if it's like Food Network, I got a big channel there. I mm. love, I mean, I love what they're doing. I, I mean, I think they're making huge strides in like who they're putting on the network and the cuisines they're showcasing and like the authentic things they are doing you know that we were talking about diversifying i'm so excited i am going to be a part of a few things with them but. no i don't i don't know and i, I, know I can't that's like off the record so i can't i, I won't ask. i'm so high profile no <laughs> <laughs> no it's like four recipes it was a branded thing okay yeah but i don't know like again i wasn't growing up watching the food channel you know, I wasn't, this was not my, I was an ESPN guy, right? So I don't know how much of what they're doing. Like, I know they have a big presence online, but how much of what they're doing is now laser focused there with a lot of resources away from the actual TV, or is there still a major amount of resources going into the TV? Me, I think major. I mean, a lot of middle America, I don't know. I do not work for them, so I'm not sure. I do think the majority of, majority of their audience is middle America and they still do really well on TV because you have mm. the tried and true talent that people grew up with. And then I think they're taking more risks. Once again, I'm not 100% sure I don't work there, but it seems they're doing things differently with Discovery Plus, uh, which is the new streaming platform. And that has other shows on it that seem to skew a little younger. Yeah, and, and, and it's also I, – I forget about this, but the international audience too. I wonder – I don't know if you can get it internationally for Discovery Plus. I, I don't know about that. Yeah, but I'm saying so. like on the networks, like Cake Boss, for example. Oh. He's friends with, with my boss who I worked for. Oh, no way. He's like – as one, he's in all these countries. I, I forget the number, so I won't say. But for his show? Oh, yeah. It's oh, a nice. lot. But like – I don't know about now, I would imagine it's still the same, but as of like five years ago, he'd go to Brazil all the time. Cause like when he goes to Brazil, 
he's he's the guy. Wow. Like Buddy Velastro is like it's Ronaldo and Buddy Velastro. I love it. It's I nuts. Love it. But there's there's such a wide world out there, a marketplace. So like when I'm talking about TV, I'm always thinking about the trends here because mm. we see it moving away. And then I got to remember, I mean, it's happening everywhere to an extent, but there's also still huge marketplaces that, you know, content like food, everyone's interested in that. Everyone. So they can put it out. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm, I'm curious to see like where everything goes <laughs> and like it just keeps getting shorter and shorter. Content mm-hmm. just keeps getting shorter and easier to absorb, and it's very interesting. I heard Bill Maher say something. This was a couple of years ago. He was on he was on Joe Rogan, and he was talking about content. And I never thought of it this way, but he really he put it so perfectly. He's like, content is in this weird place where, depending on what you're doing, it's getting shorter than ever before mm-hmm. every day, and it's getting longer than ever before every day and i was like what and the way he explained it was that if you're talking visuals oh it's getting short like and this is before tiktok like blew up Mm -hmm. and he and he saw it you know he's in it he's like it's getting short Mm -hmm. like you you can't expect people to sit down and watch and watch a show he's like some people do but that's not where the majority of your audience is going to come from he Mm -hmm. said whereas what you're doing joe it's audio. People can throw it in their ears and they can go about their day. Oh, yeah. I do that. I yes. love if my podcast isn't an hour of true crime in my ears. That's what I'm saying. You got <laughs> yeah. true crime. Yeah. While That's I'm it. chopping and doing my mise en place, <laughs> then I don't, I'm kind of mad if it's just 20 minutes. Exactly. And one along. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Exactly. And there's there's a shortage of that. Believe it or not, in certain lengths within like podcasting is one example. But if you're talking things that people have to put multiple senses on at the mm-hmm. same time and it's not just like ears and intu- intuition is in a sense, but you know what I mean. Like if they're putting their eyes and ears on it, mm-hmm. now we're talking like, hey, if you That's can – a real commitment. If you can win in 10 seconds, win in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And you, that, can, you can make just as much money. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, mo- the money that's mm-hmm. – and it depends what your account is, but – I'm always asking people about like their monetization because I'm interested because yeah. there's so many different ways to cut cut the cake. I don't know how comfortable you are talking about that, so we don't have to totally do that. But we can talk about it. I won't. I probably won't disclose like rates and stuff. Okay, but, that's fine. Yeah, but um, when did you? Here's a good question. Mm-hmm. When did you get? So you were building it in college, and then you went off on your own right away. So you had some monetization by that point. Mm-hmm. And what what was that through? Because you mentioned. I think on the podcast that it might have been savings. before, but the restaurant was not. You weren't getting paid by restaurants. No, no, no. Uh, no. I was starting when I first started. I started making a little bit of money through brand work. I'm talking. I probably made thirty thousand dollars my first time doing this, and which is equivalent, not after taxes, but similar to what I would make as a PA. Sure. At a network, probably five grand less, but I was trying my best. I would. At this point, make like a couple hundred dollars per post. Like, but it was like a photo. Um, That's pretty good at the beginning. At the be- yeah, I mean, I did have over a hundred thousand followers, and the amount of work. This is before people understood the amount of work before the market really became a place where brands wanted to be. And I didn't have anyone on my team, so I was like, oh, two hundred dollars short. <laughs> then I had. Uh, I guess I'll talk about rates in this sense. Then I had a larger brand come to me and offer me two grand, and I was like, wait. Like, people are doing it. Like, is this real now? Like, can we do this? So it was kind of all over the place the first year. And 
as more people got involved, I think brands were putting more money into it. And now, if brands aren't offering creators a substantial amount of money for their work, not the ad space, their work, then it's insulting at this point. Provided they have a market, obviously, but yes. Of course. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you pay a producer, their day rate might be $500 to $1,000. That's number one. You pay an editor, might be a day rate of $500 to $1,000. You, mm-hmm. If you are doing an ad for food, you might hire a food stylist, $500 to $1,000 a day. Food. All right. Food stylist. Mm-hmm. Food stylist. I'm uneducated. Yeah. Tell me that. No, it's, it's a real job. It, and it's very, very, very popular. So this is people who know how to – who usually have a culinary background. To, they do. But I meant culinary school experience. And they prepare all ingredients plus backups for these shoots. Uh, they make the cheese extra cheesy. They know how to toast just the edge of the bun with a little blowtorch before you get started with your shoot. Um, there are usually, for like large-scale productions, three swap-outs ready to go. So like if this cheese dish got cold and I had to scoop it, swap-out, another take, swap-out, another take. Wow. And that is a team. So that's how they make like the – the Burger King and McDonald's commercials look so amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, a food stylist team definitely behind that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and I'm not saying those brands did this, but sometimes there's some enhancement there oh, with sure. like shaving cream instead of whipped cream. I never yeah. do this. Yeah. No one should do this if they're just doing self content. But like uh, slime cheese, I don't know how. Like the part where they pull yeah, it apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. But uh, glue, glue or something. Are you kind of like an expert at this point in that? Like, do you still use a food stylist? I don't. I no, but say, I'm because you kind of you gotta like know all the tricks now. No, and and everyone who's in this space, the culinary content creation, I'm not speaking for anyone else. They've got to know shooting. You also pay camera guy. Shooting, producing, editing, food styling, um, recipe development. If the focus is recipes, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, and. That determines the rate. And then you put the followers on top of that, the viewership, your stats on top of that. God, that's so time. Con- I'm just thinking mm-hmm. about it. Like I'm picturing it in my head because I do this now. It's like <laughs> I try to see how other people in different spaces that's do it. important. But like the ingredients part alone mm-hmm. to make the meal. I mean, if you're testing the smallest things, you got to run through this a few different times because, oh, that didn't work. All right, I got to try this. Mm-hmm. And now it's like. I'm sure you can do multiple at once, but you're no. at some point starting from scratch on some things. Yeah. It's it's all – I mean, if you have experience, you like you know what works for certain recipes before you start, and it's pretty easy to test it. But you still have to test it, and time still goes into that. Another thing that's not accounted for is expense for ingredients. Um, mm. If I'm making a steak and I need to test it three times – Good thing my husband and I can eat three steaks, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to buy all those ingredients, and there, there's an expense element. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. And I, the influencer rate space, it's not talked about. And I, I feel bad I'm not disclosing my rates, but I'm only doing that because they, they vary depending mm. on the ask and what I need to be doing and also when the brand will use it. And, and I have a team who manages that, so like – Yeah. But I would say if you have the following and you put that kind of work in, creators should be getting at least a couple thousand dollars per post. Yeah. I I think a lot of the attitude is just 
like they people take think it. People are lazy. Sure. Well, that's I wasn't don't. even gonna say, but yes, that's another thing. And also, there's such a supply of creators across a lot of different things that brands are just moving fast, and they're like, okay, all right, they said no, we'll go to the next one. And in some ways, you don't you don't land on the quality with that. And I think like are you talking about like sellout culture, like oh yeah. Fab- not fat i like fat fun. no there's like flat tummy tea like every girl was drinking it online i don't know flat I tummy tea i don't know there's like some brands that like really hook themselves into influencers and you see them everywhere you're talking about that like the brands who just like want to hire everyone that could be an example yeah, well, what were you talking about i totally put that in your mouth no <laughs> that, that absolutely could be one because they're not they're looking at they're looking at reach and not engagement. They're looking at, let's just get as yeah. many eyeballs on it. And mm-hmm. if people say no, we'll go get the other 100 who will say yes. Mm-hmm. So yes, that was what I was talking about. But even on a more micro level, when they're, intru- when they're going to an individual and being like, okay, we want this person to do this rollout for this kind of thing. All right, they said no, no problem. We'll go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking at – I mean I know they do have metrics of who actually like has a real following because that's another thing. Like, oh. People are – buying followers and it's I hope fi- not anymore. It's so fake. It's 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 really bullshit. It, but I I found that to be very unjust when I was starting this and I saw so many people doing that. But now like, they have ways so to long. they have ways to catch that though. I know, but still it just made me like sad in the beginning. You, defeated. Yeah, you, you can kind of like <laughs> You when, can tell. When I go to a, a page with a million followers and they have 3000 likes on a picture. Honestly though, like sometimes engagement sucks. So sometimes I give the benefit of the doubt, especially for accounts that are older, your audience might like part of your audience might not use Instagram as much. That happened to me. So I don't know. I always give benefit of the doubt. I don't know. <laughs> you're a true creator. You're, you're rooting for creators. I feel you. Yeah. True I, creator. I mean, I think, I don't know, sometimes I'm cynical about some of them. Other times, though, I realize that. I mean, Actually, TikTok's like the best example. Some of the early accounts I would look at on there, because TikTok doesn't give a shit, man. Like the minute your niche is a little run out, it's if you stay with that, they won't show it to people. So I'll see some accounts I was looking at in 2019 that were like the early accounts up at a million and stuff. And, you know, they have 2 million. They're getting 10,000 views on a video. And it's sad, but it, it happens. Okay. No, on TikTok, it happens all the time. When I have a video blow up, I'll get a lot of followers and then I'll post something and I'll get 300 views. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's why I don't hold it against anyone. I, you can tell usually who buys the followers just by looking at them on their, like seeing if they're fake profiles. Do people buy followers on TikTok? Is that? No, I don't know. I'm talking say. about Instagram. Yeah, on again. Instagram Sorry. especially. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, I don't even pay attention anymore to that because doing this full time, I post my own stuff. I engage with typically other female chefs because like i support their work and i think they're great and then i shut everything off because like why would i sit there and mind fuck myself over exactly over like oh my god and my post isn't doing well and like theirs is doing great there's if you look at it as like this is something i put into this medium how it performs can be determined by the day the updates a variety of factors it's not about you it's about just it's what's gonna happen then you take the emotion away from it 
And it's more it's it's more concerning when it happens over a long sustained period because, like you said, it's a day to day kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The the piece of content you think is going to be a banger is probably not going to be the one that's a banger. You know, it's going to be another one, and it has sometimes it's luck of the day you Timing. posted it exactly mm-hmm. right. And you can't. The point is, you just got to keep trying. creating a good product and and trying different things. So it works over time. Yeah. In the creative industry, I think it's so important to just not feel defeated when things are not working out. Even if it's months, if it's years, if you really believe in what you're doing, adapt it to yes. what you see as doing well, maybe, or maybe find a new angle, but keep believing in yourself. Very cliche, but it's true. Because so many people, I feel like you start and then you evolve. Once you get the ball rolling, you change the path a little bit. Yeah. I think another thing, though, and we haven't said this, but you do a really, really good job of this, is obviously you're there for your niche and that value and whatever that is, but you got to form a relationship with your audience. Mm. And it's a weird thing because it's very unnatural. You're forming a relationship on the internet with a bunch of people you don't know at mass scale. But there's a part of it that's weird because you're like sharing your life and, you know, some things maybe you don't want to. But the people who have a good balance of also showing that they're a human and they have things going on and there's good things, there's bad things and and they put it out there. Those accounts I appreciate a lot and clearly a lot of people do because it puts that realness behind it. It's not just this person posting content about whatever and very quickly, but you work in a lot. And I know you have your personal page too, but like even on your regular page, I think you work in like parts of your life as well, like on, on the dining with with Skylar page and talk about like what's going on your, your personal life. And, and that, you know, there's, there's a person behind the person putting out all these recipes every day. And I got to imagine, I don't know this because I'm not behind the scenes like you, but I got to imagine a lot of the people, whether they were day one people or people who have kind of come on board in the last year or two, they appreciate that because even if you don't know them, you know, they they kind of know you. It's really funny. Thank you, by the way, for saying I'm good at that. I, I try and keep like all my personal stuff that I do post on Dining with Skylar kind of food related. And then for the people who really want to know more and like really personal stuff, I have a personal account that I mm-hmm. also post about everything else on. But it's funny because when people will stop me if they see me somewhere or like say hi, like not trying to be like, oh, they stop me and say hi. Oh. You're a no, big deal. No, like I had an event, a women's business networking event the other week and a few people from Instagram were like, oh, it's so creepy. I know you. But and like, it's so weird. I know that what you did like last night. And I'm like, first of all, it's not creepy. Like, I'm so grateful that you care. Thank you for showing up. And thank you so much for caring because you give me the opportunity of a lifetime. And it's not creepy. Like, So if you follow anyone and you think it's creepy or weird that you're digesting the content that they put out there, it's not. That's why we do it, you know? It's also been a while, too. Like, I don't... I don't find that like five, six years ago. Yeah, I just said hey, it's kind of weird. Yeah, you know, but normal. now we're so used to it. It's like I, I don't like the people who are just constantly, you know, attention whoring out there. Of for every, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who are humans and and are just well, everyone. You know, yeah. Everyone's human, <laughs> but yeah. like some people portray differently. That's what I yeah. mean. <laughs> like portraying. Like let's not put on a front here. Yeah. But there's a there's an aspect to that, and it's not even something that. 
I'm naturally comfortable with myself. I'm forced to do it because I talk with people in here. So people want to know. like they can. You're very vulnerable they, by doing right. something like this. But I wasn't naturally like that. Mm-hmm. I kind of just had to be like, all right, Julian, just do it. And then eventually you'll forget you're doing it. And yeah. we got there. But I, I appreciate the people who do that over the long term and, and actually, you know, are willing to maybe even like set an example for people. I'm not saying that's why you do it, but there's got to be a lot of people out there who like you and maybe want to, maybe they don't want to do exactly what you do, but they're, they're interested in opening up their own place. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're going to promote that on social media. So they're like, okay, well, Skylar does a great job promoting food on social media. Let me, let me go see how she does it. And then they take that as an example. And it's almost like you create a little army of people who can then go do cool things for themselves. And they got to appreciate that. It's a community. Yes. The creative space online is totally a community. It's either who I engage with. It's like full on consumers of content, making the recipes, like really committed. It's just viewers who are just like who like the inspiration Mm -hmm. or it's the other. Like I want to create too. Like I want to make recipes too. Like those are the three categories that of people to sum it up. Not not like I'm categorizing everyone, but uh, that I notice on Instagram. It's a cool thing, too, because you've seen it over, like, a long haul. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'll never forget the first time someone stopped me in New York. I was so hungover. I was 21. (laughs) And it was, like, such a small scale. I was, like, hungover getting a smoothie. And this girl stopped me. And I was like, no. (laughs) No. Not right now. (laughs) No. I was just like, no way. She knows who I am. That's cool. Yeah, though. I was embarrassed, but I was That's also cool. like, "Shit." <laughs> what What did your family think of this? Like when you jumped into it? I'm so grateful that my family is very supportive. Mm. At first, I mean, I was I grew up in the world that we used to live in, where it's like you go work at a network, you mm-hmm. do it by the steps, by the book. So my parents were more like were thinking I should do something like that. But it was random, right? I graduated early to save some money, and my parents took from me from college. From college, yeah. yeah, I graduated early from college, and my parents took me to Florida. Random, we went to dinner uh, at this place, Boulud, and um, Danielle Boulud, his restaurant. What was that thing you said earlier? The the bird thing? Oh, foie gras. No, the bird and the egg oh, thing. Oh, balu, balut. I was gonna say, is that Boulud? Daniel Boulud, B-O-U-L-O-U-D, I think. All the French. All the French. No, Boulud. I'm I'm forgetting. Either way. All right. Daniel Boulud in Florida. You were in his restaurant. Yeah. This this is right when I graduated early. My parents were still a little skeptical about what I was going to do. They were like, are you going to apply to like networks? Like, what are you doing? Mm. And the chef came out because I posted a photo, but like I didn't even tag them. Like, I didn't. I don't even know. Oh, so he followed you. Yeah, and he was like, "Hey, I just really want to thank you for coming to our restaurant," and they gave us a free dessert. And my dad was like, "What?" So did you hand him a hundred under? No, no, no. I swear. <laughs> and I was like, I have such imposter syndrome. Sometimes I I feel like I am not worthy, and that was one of those moments where I was like. Oh my God! That's the universe telling you that something. exactly, and that was definitely meant to be in that moment, and that. That made my dad kind of realize, okay, this is a thing where she's really getting recognized and I'm not going to poo-poo her for taking a <laughs> risk. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Because yeah. like even if your parents, like, 
they're not in that world. Maybe they don't get it, but then they see, mm-hmm. okay, all right, this isn't this <laughs> isn't fake business. This exactly. Is and what's so funny is even up to like a year ago, parts, I have a huge extended family. And like a lot of people would be like, so what are you doing? Like, are you like making money? Like, would you have another job now? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing this full time. It pays very well. <laughs> Like, fuck. <laughs> no one believes it still. But it, all these years in, they're still. I mean, it's it's older people. I, I get it. I and guess. it's like, oh, so what are you? You are a TV host. I'm like, yep, that's it. <laughs> that's, that's that's it. That's I all I do. TV Easy. on Instagram. ABC123. We'll, that's it. We'll call it that. <laughs> one, yeah. uh, one more thing, because we're coming up on three hours here, yeah. and this was awesome. So thank you for doing thank this, you. by the way. This, this was amazing to be able to catch up after all these years. All these I, years. I've been watching you. So it's it's cool. And it was an inspiration, as I said. But thank you. you had said something a while ago, maybe like a half hour ago, and we went <laughs> somewhere else. But you were talking about burnout with it. Mm. And I think that was a really important theme that you can speak to because you've you've been in it for so long but like looking at it from my end when I just was looking to jump in I knew I'm like okay there's going to be two to three years here where it's like okay here you're building you're working Mm -hmm. all the time and I think that's that's what I don't want to lose in it there is an expectation that maybe there is a short time there where you don't have a ton of a life but if you put that as an unlimited clock and then just say, oh, I'm going to do it because I'm going to do it. Even if you don't burn out and stop, you're going to burn out and hate yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always very cognizant of that. And that's why I see the progress and I look at it and I go, okay, I'm on schedule here. And I need, to, I need to try to stick to that even if there's things out of my control. But for people out there who are looking, whether you know they're in college right now or they're 25 or even like 40, who are listening and are looking to start that thing they want to do, how, how did you – reach up i'm not saying you knew it going in but how did you reach a point where you're like okay i'm still trying a lot of things and i'm spending a lot of time but i'm having a life and i'm um doing it in a way where i'm happy with myself because i have like some form of balance i didn't realize that i needed this balance until um late 2019 really i didn't realize it i mean i always had time I always made time. I had a boyfriend at the time, now my now husband. We were dating throughout a lot of my business development through Ballsy Bites, through my media company. And then we got engaged and married. Like I always had time for that, but I it was always like work to the bone, work to the bone, work to the bone, pencil in when to hang out. And like it still is it still is about figuring out the balance. But to rewind for a second, I think the best way to avoid burnout and to understand yourself and how to balance is to really take progress with your own company day by day. And to I know you have a timeline. Nothing goes according to plan. Oh, no. And I'm not no. talking about just you. I'm talking about anyone. Everyone. Right? Like if you asked me a five-year plan five years ago, <laughs> totally different. Um, it's to take it day by day and to understand if you had to do everything on your to-do list, like there's always going to be items on there. Mm-hmm. To understand what is necessary and important to prioritize in that moment and how to prioritize and make time to be home for dinner and enjoy yourself or watch that show that you like sure. or scroll TikTok or whatever. And you only figure that out if you get the big picture out of your head. But also like what you're spending that time on and, and those things are fine too. But I think sometimes people who are building stuff will spend their time on some of the mindless things when they actually get a free moment and then they get very disconnected and like I'm cognizant. What do you mean by that? 
Meaning, to use this as an example, one thing that I am really, really lucky about is my job is to talk with people, mm. right? It's a big part of it. So I'm very connected at all times. And when I'm not in here, a big part of my life too is constantly talking with people on the phone mm-hmm. or seeing people, right? There are a lot of people out there who are building stuff and it's different than this. Totally. And it's like, actually, you won't understand this. You're doing it yourself. You're, you're doing every, and it's like you are relying on you. You are inherently spending more time disconnected from mm-hmm. a lot of people. And I'm, I'm generalizing a bit, but... I can imagine that has to get in people's heads because naturally, even if like we're not the most social person, people still want to be social, mm-hmm. you know? And then when you start really digging into something, you can lose that very easily. How social you are? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are two things. Number one, I really, I'm going to rephrase. <laughs> I think we need to stop guilting ourselves for disconnecting. I used to feel like I had to be connected to maintain friendships for work. Like, I always need to be doing something because I need to keep up with someone, something. We are the FOMO generation. We are FOMO people. Mm-hmm. And we have to take that guilt away for ourselves. And everyone's journey for doing that is different. The second thing is to – you have to know. And I disconnect. Sebastian and I, we turn everything off. We have Saturdays for ourselves. And it's rare mm-hmm. we get together with people because – that we are we prioritize our relationship more than some of the friendships that we have and that's if our friends can't respect that then that's then so be it that we should have a bigger conversation same thing like when i was doing this and taking time for myself i like some i had some friends who were just like well why won't you come out with us and and you know that's a bigger conversation and if that friendship will not work out you can respect people and not have the same like love language whether it's a friend mm-hmm. or your significant other or whoever i mean if it's, a, if it's a significant other you should have the same love language but uh, not the same you know what i mean yeah there has to be compatibility yeah you, you shouldn't feel guilty for taking time for yourself it doesn't mean you're mean to anyone else and a good friend good to anyone in your life will respect you for taking care of yourself i think i've been able to see and separate the people who you know they're not doing something like this at the beginning they didn't understand but then they learned and they're and they're great supporters for it versus the people who never did Mm -hmm. and they still and by the way i think some of them still have really good intentions some of them aren't there's some people who kind of turned into an asshole i mean wrong everyone has those people (laughs) but there's people who they just don't really get it and then they don't take it personally when I have to, for the millionth time, be like, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's 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 a weird balance, but it's hard, too, because, like, people are all different. You know, we all have different lived experiences. We have different dreams, and we do different things. I, we all do different things, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I think as we grow older, and if anyone's upset with you for how you prioritize yourself, it's something they're struggling with within themselves. Um, and if... And, and that's their journey. And I, I'm i a people pleaser. I'm such a people pleaser. It, this took me a very long time to figure out. And I still mm. feel bad if I upset people. But it's it's one of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned. That's a great spot then. Mm. I like because if I touch that point, we'd be talking for another half hour. <laughs> but thank you for doing this. I was looking forward to this. It's nice to see a fellow awk out there doing yeah, your thing. So Same to you. This was cool. I'm sure we're actually like – 
I assume no one I know listens to the podcast. It's all people I don't know, which is fine. But this one, actually, there will be people no, we know stop. listening Oh, who to knows? This. I don't know. <laughs> so, But anyway, I'll work my way onto your true crime playlist. Too. Yeah, you know, when I have someone in here to talk oh about Oh, my it. God, you should. I, yes. I did have one episode. I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. One you should listen to Amazing. because there was a lot of good true crime stuff in that. But Ooh, I, I got to work that <laughs> so, Anyway, Skylar, thank you. Thank you, Julian. We'll do this, this again. So Congrats yeah. on, on all your success and a lot more of it, too. Right back at you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody else, you know what it is. Give it a thought. Get back to me.